Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 283. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? And also here, the one I'm man, Connor. Two weeks in a row. What is this? <laughs> That's me, here's the one I'm man. <laughs> Uh, I was going for more of a Twin Peaks vibe, but <laughs> I, 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 felt, I felt like I was a companion to the Ten-Eyed, uh, ten-eyed Man. <laughs> no. Ten-Eyed Man, okay. You're yeah. not that cool. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. He is pretty cool. <laughs> by, uh, by cool, I mean terrifying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Connor's kind of terrifying, but just in a, in a less like, creepy way, it's more just like... That's just a Uns- primordial fear of gingers that you have, though. Yeah, it's called unsettling, and some would argue that's worse. <laughs> anyway, this is the DC Comics Podcast. We get together, we talk about this week's DC Comics that we read. Coming up on this week's show, we have Batman 118, Superman Son of Kal-El 2021 Annual, Dark Knights of Steel Issue 2, The Swamp Thing Issue 10, Green Lantern Issue 9, Arkham City, The Order of the World Issue 3, World of Krypton Issue 1, one Star Squadron issue one and a couple of Patreon books. We got Animal Man issue fourteen and Connor's catching up with Harley Quinn issue nine. So that is the books, but we do have some news this week actually. Uh oh. so you know, a few few interesting things to talk about. And yeah, that's you know, it's, it's December, we're in the festive season. We've got yes. a tree up to make it feel festive on camera. Not really for this show specifically, admittedly. But for for other shows which have Christmas episodes, we have we have the fun of scheduling around Christmas very soon. Oh yeah, I've pre-warned Matt. We uh, we were thinking about it. Uh, I mean, admittedly, we were talking about it. We weren't considering you into the equation. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to say we, we assumed I, I was not part of these discussions. Well, you, we assumed you were going to be busy, but then you broke your arm uh, when you fell over when a, a pleasant dog tried to come up and greet you like a friendly animal that it is. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so. Uh. So yes, uh, yes. Welcome to Cosmic Multiverse, everyone. It's uh, always a adequate time. Yeah, maybe. I love how you said adequate. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'll I guarantee it. I was, I was going for like, I don't know. Self-deprecating. Self-deprecating, but with a sort of tinge of like British cynicism, I guess was the yeah. was the, the the mood I was going for there. But yes, welcome. Uh, so. We have some news to talk about, uh, but we will start with everyone's favourite segment. Everyone loves it. It's Batman. The Comicsology Top 10 is starting off the show. And uh, I'm going to give Matt a guess here. Matt, what do you think number one is? Batman. You're right, it's Batman! Oh, dang, how did I guess that? Yeah, so good. How did you not get that, Connor? Uh, so, you all. Batman is <laughs> number I, one. I'm willing to make a guess at number two. Well, one second. That's why I mentioned with Batman is that, admittedly, it usually gets number one anyway. I imagine the numbers are maybe bumped a little bit just because it's the start of a new run and people may have wanted to check yeah. check it out. I, I always wonder how much that translates to comicsology. Like, genuinely, because oh, I, I have yeah, no I idea. Know. Like, if, if you're going into a comic shop, you probably have that sort of awareness, but I imagine there are a lot more people on comicsology who don't follow things quite as closely and just buy eh. Batman. Maybe, I don't know. It's the sort of thing where... I imagine there's a lot of people who transition from physical books who do follow it as much as they used to, and they just, you know, they'll they'll pop on. I'm sure there are, but also since since Amazon integrated Comixology with Amazon's 
own, you know, you know, they're like buying it on their their digital copies. I imagine it's hit a significantly wider audience than oh, just comic fans. Very possibly, very possibly. So, yeah, that's number one. Uh, would you like to guess number two then, since you were so hyped about yeah, it? Yeah, I, I think it's the new uh, Daredevil Devil's Reign. Is that it? The, the Daredevil crossover no. event? No, no, no. Is it no. Star Wars? No. Is it more Batman? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be an X-Book, but I'm it, looking at which one. It is an X-Book. It is yeah, Inferno yeah. Issue 3 yeah, is number yeah. 2. So Kara was so confident, and then it was just not even something I, I was really I really thought it might be the, uh, <laughs> the Daredevil crossover, because it's, you know, it's like a little event mini. Yeah. That, those usually sell pretty well. Would well, you want to guess number 3 then, Connor? Was it Devil's Reign? No. Uh, <laughs> number 3 is Batman 89. <laughs> I don't even see that on here. Uh, Devil, uh, I see Devil's Reign. I don't know where it is. Oh, there it is. Okay. I'm just going to guess uh, Devil's Reign. Every, every, oh, no, yeah. uh, yes, would you like to guess number four? Uh, it's Devil's Reign. It's Spider Man uh, 80 Point Beyond because they're doing that what? tie in thing. Yeah. <laughs> 80 <laughs> Point Beyond. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's like the tie in issue. So it's not it's not issue 80, it's like issue 80.1 for the tie in. Is that part of the weekly book or is that part of Is that extra? Like, I don't I, even know. I think it's additional. I think it's additional to the. Then again, I don't see an all Spider-Man issue here, so maybe it is the only thing that's this week. So I don't know. God damn it, Marvel. <laughs> uh, do you want to guess what number five is? De- Devil's Reign. It's Hellions! Oh, wait. Oh. <laughs> <Issue> 18. <laughs> do you want to guess what number six is, Connor? Is it Devil's Reign? It's Star Wars! Issue 19! <laughs> he was so confident it was number two as well. Do you know what? Those things usually sell well, but... Uh... Oh, there you go. All right, do you want to guess what number seven is? Is it Devil's Reign? It's but Dark Knights of Steel! No, I'm kidding. It is Devil's Reign. Right. <laughs> Devil's Reign is number seven. Dark Knights of Steel issue two is, is, is number eight, though. Uh, to just say. Uh, Superman, Son of Kelly Annual is number nine. And number ten is actually Daredevil Volume 5, which is not on sale. It's just... I guess it's just the That's new trade. That's impressive, actually. Yeah. Probably the lead-in to, to Devil's Reign. I mean, it'll be the most recent trade that'll yeah. have just released. I don't know how directly that leads yeah, in uh, a few months behind. But... It's volume 5, issues 21 to 25, so I don't know what the Oh, that's, that's need... significantly behind. I think Daredevils yeah. are in the they're, they're in the early 30s now. I I need to get caught up on that book, because it's oh, been a while. It's so good. Uh, yeah, it's I need to catch up as well. Uh, um, oh, this is not a new release, by the way. I just checked the, the, the release date on it. It's, uh, it came out in February, so I don't know. Maybe it was on sale and it just went back up in price, but right now it's full price. I think there all, was a Daredevil sale earlier in the week. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. All, all the uh, Charlie Cox talk this week, or last week, I was like, it's been a while since I've read Daredevil. I, I love that character. So The, uh, the whole Zdarsky run has been pretty fantastic. Yeah, I read it's, the- it's in my top top five Marvel books. Yeah, I read the first three trades worth uh, and really, really enjoyed what I'd read so far. So... Need to get this. Yeah, wow. it's still great. Um, Yeah, I just... Uh, after was Suicide Squad's number 12, and then 14 Swamp Thing, 15's Green Lantern, One Star Squadron is up next. Um, So... That's surprisingly high for that sort of book. I, I, I didn't expect a lot of sales for that sort of book. No, but... It, it, um... It was interesting that that's so high, uh, you know, for for that type of book, and yet World of Krypton, which I would argue has a similar cred because you know, based on the writer appeal mm-hmm. and so on, but that's not on page one at all. So uh, it's probably, I, I guess uh, once that's good, that was Mark Russell, right? Yeah, because he has his own kind of audience at this yeah, point. Yeah. I think that maybe Vindity is still like don't get me wrong has has fans. 
but it's more just a oh he does superhero books for the most part. He's a whereas, workman, right? He's, yeah, uh, whereas he's... Russell has you know he has a very specific brand, There's... but I assume it brings its own niche. Yeah, with with Russell, you know, there's going to be some kind of political commentary thrown in there, and then you add Lieber, and and it's going to be cartoony while while at it, like not cartoony in like the zany type way, but just. Matt, it, it feels... Matt, are, are, are you are you a second banana? Yes, definitely. I'm the second banana. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So sometimes you need. The also, banana. are you are you gonna finish those fries or not? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you can tell no. Pete didn't read the book. <laughs> yeah. I'm no selling it because I don't care. Uh, yeah, but 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 yeah. So, um, and then with Vaditti, he's just he's kind of a a workman type to where I don't know if his name exactly sells because I mean, look at Hawkman. We loved Hawkman. But that wasn't usually in the top. That was nowhere no. near, if I recall. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of Doomsday Clock in page two, because the Doomsday Clock sale on, apparently. Uh, I think it's a Doomsday Clock and Watchmen sales. It's probably all the before Watchmen stuff in there as well, I assume. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's not ranking as highly, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it's... I'm, I'm assuming it's in the sale. Yeah. I haven't actually looked. Uh, so World of, World of Krypton is near the end of page two, behind a lot of sales stuff. Uh, and a new Buffy book started, actually, called The Last Vampire Slayer. Interesting. I know, I saw that, that at the uh, shop, and I, and I thought of you, Pete. Thank you, Is Matt. that a, a mini or a one-shot or an uh, well, I don't actually know. I just... Uh, I know it's a mini. I would assume it's a mini, but, I, you know, I could yeah. be wrong. I, I could have sworn that I saw, like, one of on the cover, but I'm not sure. It just says I, number one in the cover, but uh, at okay. least on Comixology, but I don't know if... Um... I went and picked up my comics this week. I will have got it if if it is there, because I just get all the, the Buffy books kind of added in my pull automatically. I just haven't looked through my pile from this week yet, except I pulled out the DC books that I needed. Yeah. So maybe I've already got it, or maybe it'll maybe it was delayed in the UK. A lot of comics are right now. Yeah, very possibly. Um, so no, interesting. But there you go. Comics are top ten. Everyone enjoys it. Everyone loves it. Uh, we do have some news this week, though. Um, I'll I'll start us off in some happy news. Uh, before we get to, I, I feel like we have to start with this because it's it's almost something that we've been hoping for for about three years at this point. Uh. Our Lord and Savior, our patron saint, Tom Taylor, yeah. has like, Don't go that far to call the Lord and Savior. That's putting a lot of pressure on the man. <laughs> the patron saint, that's right about his level. Okay, okay. Well, DC has finally put a ring on his finger because he signed an exclusive contract this week. Or at least they announced they did it this week. I mean, they may have done it you know, months ago. But, uh, yeah, these things usually are done in advance of the uh, announcement. Yes. Uh, but yes, so he is DC exclusive. Uh, obviously, you still get that mini that's coming out of Marvel, which will finish, obviously, but going yeah, forward. Usually, these things still allow for creator-owned works, so he'll still have his other books at other publishers, just not... It's, it's usually just not Marvel, is basically the, the thing. Yeah, which is why I'm pointing out that that mini that yeah. he's doing is obviously still when he have its... He's probably already finished them, but they're still when he come out, and that'll be them, and then... Yeah, the, the one that's definitely not deceased. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, obviously there's not a lot to say here, except, yay. I mean, it already feels mm-hmm. like he has, like, three DC books at any given time right now anyway, so this yeah. just confirms that I'm, it's going to I'm continue. I'm sure he said there was more announcements and, to yeah. come in terms of DC books, which is not surprising if he's got an exclusive contract. I mean, it feels like they're happy with the performance of Nightwing, and possibly that means that, you know, when he's done with Nightwing, or even alongside Nightwing, he's going to get another big, you know, ongoing. I mean, Nightwing has been selling very well, like... Whenever you know, whenever we do these top top lists, it's consistently higher than than I expect from a Nightwing book. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning, you know, in the ads for the trade that are in the back of the books. Not this week, but a few weeks ago, there was ads for the first trade. Uh, it, you know, and 
how much thought you can put in them saying this is a fair question to have, but it does say the best-selling series coming to... You know. I mean, all, all the all the issues have got, like, multiple printings. Yeah, I think. so... Uh, maybe this is also... I mean, removing Tom Taylor from the equation, although he, obviously he's a big part of why it's so good, maybe this is just like, hey, you make a good Dick Grayson book and people will want it. <laughs> Shocking. Yes. Yeah. Shocking, yeah. I know. It, it, it's almost like people didn't enjoy Rick Grayson. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I almost feel like having a new publisher also helps that someone that actually appreciates the character. I, I mean, this so, is maybe a bit harsh, Matt, but I'm, st- I'm starting to get this vibe that Didio was like the Vince Russo of comics. I Oh my god, did you see the thing from uh, Grant Morrison's interview this week? No. no. What, what's this? So, the reason that Superman and the Authority exists, that, that whole... That book's obviously it was. I know it only just came out, and they ended up tying it into what's uh-huh. going on in the world world stuff. So originally, it was going to be a five G book. Um, it exists, and because af- this was after Morrison had seemingly retired from superhero comics, mm-hmm. you know, they made that statement about they they, they were kind of done. Um, Didio was talking about the plans with you know with five G Superman to Morrison, and was saying that um, they were going to go lean into the right wing authoritarian style old man Superman. And Morrison was like, no, no, how dare you? And <laughs> I, went, I will write the book to save Superman from Didio. Thank you, thank you, Grant. <laughs> if you're listening, doing your magic. Oh my God, are you kidding? I'm going to oh. find the exact quote, but this is from an interview that, that Morrison did. I, think, I, I don't know when he did the interview, or when they did the interview, but the, the interview only came out this week, I think. Yeah, um, Superman would be a super right-wing authoritarian with his new team, the Authority, to take over. And Morrison was horrified and volu- volunteered his tribute to ensure it didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's quote, I just said sigh. I don't want to see Superman's not a right-wing authoritarian. That's not how you do it. If you would let me do a Superman version that's like a dad, I said, please don't make him a right-wing tyrant guy. That's just not Superman. So I got tricked into doing the book again, because if I didn't, they'd have made Superman a tyrant. Well, uh, I, I, every time something new comes out about the plans for 5G, we seem to be happy that it didn't happen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, Just, thank you, Morrison. Who does that benefit? Like, uh, I, like, I know we didn't all love that Suman the Authority book. Because it was just all right, sure. It was just, just yeah, it was whatever. It's fine, but I mean, honestly, I like, I like it infinitely more now that I know it, it was what we could have had instead. Honestly, though, like, hearing this, it kind of makes sense why it's not Grant Morrison's best work. It was kind of just, yeah. oh, I'm going to phone this in because if I don't do something, it's going to... <laughs> so he, he, uh, Another quote here, he said, uh, they said, uh, I really like that book. I didn't want to do it, but once I'd done it, I was really glad it was the last thing I was doing with DC. Okay. Yeah. All so right. this uh, interview is on YouTube. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't super into it, but Obviously, I align with Morrison here on the uh, the general reason for doing it. So, good job. Yeah. Like, who does that benefit? Like, why? <laughs> who would have bought that book? Lots of people, like, does, probably, does because Dino it has Superman on. Hate, does Didio just hate Superman? I like, think Didio is, hates superheroes. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. Like between oh, between the new fifty two stuff, right? That they had to come in and fix at a certain point, you know. When when Greg Pak took over action and it kind of started to to write itself, but jeez, man, I just 
I you swear, don't see, get it. if he had a few more years, we'd have had like Cassie Sandsmark on a pole match or something. Like, it, yeah. seriously, he's Vince Russo in comic And I was going to say, when you said he was Vince Russo, I was going to go, let's not go that far. <laughs> but then you heard and this Grand Morrison story. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, what? Who, I want to know who at Warner Brothers is also who thought that was a good idea. They don't care. That's, that was that. Didio's job was to do what he what he thought would sell. So as long as he okayed it, I don't mm. think anyone at Warner would stop him. Well, I mean, I think Grant Morrison was like, "So if I take this job, you're telling me I can dodge bullets." And then it turned out he didn't have to, or sorry, they didn't have to. So well, <laughs> like here we and, are. <laughs> and who's in charge now? Like who's who took over for this? I know it's just Jim Lee's co-publisher, but well, no, it's the, the two, uh, it's the two ladies who took over, right? Yeah, they came from the. Uh, I can't remember the, the names. Uh, they came from the kid. The yeah. Joe, that's the thing. The fact that I don't know the names off the top of my head is a good right. sign because it means there's yeah. not a bunch of bullshit news stories for us to complain about them, which is why we don't right. know their names. <laughs> right, and then on top of it, it seems like they're just doing whatever a DDO wouldn't do. Right, look at <laughs> look at Taylor's Nightwing. Look at his Superman, Son of Kal El. Like John is very much the opposite of a right wing authoritarian Superman, you know. It's, like, it was very much a what would Didio do, and then go and then do the opposite. Exactly. So, um, <sighs> Dan Dildo, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, all right, <laughs> more news though. Yeah, this Dildio. next one's sad. I'm glad. I'm glad we got a lot of silly jokes out of that because this one's yeah, not. I don't want to talk about this uh, one. Marie Javins is is her name. That's right. There you go. So she, she took over. Yeah, then, she took the job solely then after, after the first bit. She, she yeah. is the current okay. editor in chief. All right. Because it was too temporarily, then it became yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so this is sad news. Next, uh, George Perez uh, revealed this week that he has been told he has about six months to live. Uh, he has pancreatic cancer. And there's not really much to say here, except there's just been an outpouring of well wishes uh, and, you know, people on Twitter, social media, sharing their favorite Perez stories, moments, interactions with them, stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, what's to say? Uh, someone who shaped, certainly Wonder Woman, if nothing, you know, that's the first thing I think of. Teen Titans? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he created Starfire, right? Like, him and Wolfman. So... No, because... Yeah, yeah right anyway. i mean the concept of nightwing i think is wolfman and perez you know him yeah. going off on his own and, and i mean how important is nightwing to us as a trio like right right so like there's there's just that i mean and then then you hear he was he wasn't late on the jla avengers he did every single page every single character and delivered it on time you know and you just you hear that and you're like that is a, a task of Hercules, right? That's like one of the, the labors for, for him to, to nail that. So, because like every every character that had been associated with either team was included at one point in that book. Um, So it's just, just one of those. I remember he hated the character vibe so much that in the big spread, like the big, big spread of, of when it, all the heroes are together, he put vibe in the crease. Uh, so no one would have to really see him. And you just hear stuff like that, and you're just like, man. You know, like, you know, if you're a real big Vibe fan, you can go, oh, look, look, Vibe front and center. Like, you know, yeah. right in the middle, where you, where yeah. you can't. I, I like the idea yeah. that he's... he's, he's like, he... No, you will never see this man. 
I like the idea that he's measured the comic and figured out where the staple's going to be, <laughs> just to make yeah. sure the staple's right where his face is. That is a master of his craft right there. So, <laughs> you know, and, and he, from what I read, he was in declining health on top of, you know, this announcement. Like he, he had, his diabetes was real bad. He was down to one eye, which made it hard for him to even do stuff he enjoyed anymore, you know? And it's just, this is just the cherry on the shit Sunday. So, yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, so, I uh, had, had to bring it up. He's obviously just one of the legendary names of DC, and mm -hmm. is so influential, touched a lot of characters. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so, just some regular news business, as it were, for a couple of other things. Uh, Naomi, season two is finally sort of on the books. Uh, it's coming starting in March. Uh, with Bendis back, and it's kind of weird that I'm excited for this because I've been kind of down on everything Bendis has done recently. But I did really like Naomi season one, so well, I, I hope you go back and read all the other Bendis stuff, Naomi, because otherwise you're gonna feel like you're probably missing a lot. But I, I think two. you'll, I, I think, think you'll be, be okay. I think you'll be okay. Life will find a way. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, so very cool, very cool. Uh, so that is that, and then the other thing is we kind of knew about this anyway from the like it was the end of one of the books last week. But Shadow War, this uh, crossover that's happening with Batman, Robin, and mm -hmm. Destro Kink, um, they, you know, they've officially put out like, some sort of re a press release here, uh, and they've announced that there's going to be a, an Alpha issue 1 to kick it off, uh, so that's coming right at the end of March, March 29th, which I'm going to assume is a fifth week, just given that number. Uh, so, yeah, uh, so yeah. maybe they'll have like a conclusion issue as well, much like... Uh, the Omega. Fierce, Fierce yeah, yeah it'll, it'll have yeah. an Omega issue as well, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, neat the covers there if you want to go check it out uh, on the news articles uh, there's a few covers there for, for the uh, the various issues of the, the other books as well in their March issues so yeah um, obviously Williamson's writing all three of those books so and also the the, the event issues itself like the alpha issue oh of course yeah it'd be weird yeah. if it wasn't <laughs> like, uh, Bogdanovich is doing the art on the alpha, uh, the alpha issue that's the, I think it's only one artist then just because yeah. you know we, 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 and I just checked the calendar, and the 29th is indeed a fifth week. Yeah. yeah. Which I feel, now that it's on Tuesdays, for whatever reason, I feel like it's going to happen more. Just, it feels well, like no, there's more Tuesdays. It'll happen the exact same amount. The exact same amount. <laughs> I don't like thinking about numbers, guys. It's just sometimes not going to be the same month as there are five Wednesdays. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's, it just, it's just swapped some of the months that would have been a fifth week versus before, but that's it. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the March issues of uh, Robin and Deathstroke Inc. are going to be like preludes. Mm -hmm. uh, no mention of Batman. I assume Batman's still a normal issue that month, and then right, yeah, uh, tie in afterwards. April's issues will be the actual crossover, and I don't actually know how long it runs for. I don't know, I don't know if they said how many issues. Uh, I don't think that. I mean, it is quite a long article, admittedly, but uh, I, I don't see. Oh, any. It, it does say at the bottom. Uh, continue April's Batman one one two Deathstroking eight Robin thirteen concludes in May with Batman one two three. Shadow War Zone issue one, oh, yeah, Deathstroke not... Inc. nine, Robin fourteen, and then uh, Shadow War Omega. So it's not that so... long then. It's only a couple of months, really. March to May. March to May. Uh, Alpha Omega and an issue one in the middle of those uh, as extra issues on top of the three books. Yeah, it's not actually that many issues each of the ongoing books. So it's only two of Batman, three of Deathstroke <laughs> Inc., and what three, three of Robin? Of Robin. Yeah, not that bad, really. All things considered. No. And if the story's good, I wouldn't really care that much. I'll just be into it. <laughs> it means, given that they've got these extra issues, it'll probably be 
like every week we'll have an issue for the those months. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, so cool. Um, there you go. That, that's all I had. I don't know if you found anything else. If was anything I missed. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. That's the news for the week then. So obviously the one big bit of sad news, but uh, hey, Tom Taylor's exclusive. That's good. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, uh, excellent. All right. Well, let's get into the books then, shall we? Mm-hmm. Batman issue one hundred and eighteen. This is Joshua Williamson writing with Jorge Molina on the art, and this is and and Michael Yannin. It's not on the cover, but I'll I'll tell I, you. What I know for it's it. on the cover, but it's in the credits page. Uh, so. Interesting thing about this is that it's the same page count as normal, but there's no backup. It's actually just, uh, at least for this first issue, they've decided to give it the full page count uh, for, think, uh, for the main Flash story. Flash is doing this as well, right? Uh, Flash has been doing it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the other one that, that springs to hand has been oversized. And Green Lantern's kind of doing it, although it's always split in two between two yeah. stories. Yeah, that's why I wasn't really counting that, because it's... It's not not that ones. I think they're equal sized stories, right? So it's not like ones yeah. a backup. I but. wish I wish they weren't equal sized. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I, I don't know if that's going to be a consistent thing. If it's just for this first part, just to, so so there was enough room yeah. to like do everything he wanted to do in his first issue. Uh, it's very possible. I think the first thing I'll say about this before we talk about any of the stuff that it introduces or anything like that is that this is a very smooth transition from the previous writer. That this references so much of what's just happened mm-hmm. that. You definitely feel that Williamson is respecting the story that was just told and not just wanting to sweep it under the rug before he does his own thing. There's always two kinds of runs in comics. Well, when they start yeah. a run, there's always the, the kind that just comes in. It's like, right, this is the new status quo. This is what we're doing. And, you know, forget everything that came before. Or there's the kind that's very much, this is a direct continuation. And, yeah, and this, this... if you didn't know it was a different writer, it could like, just feel like more of the same. And it does feel like a different writer, and I think because yep. we are, we're all it's used a different to different vibe. We're used yeah. to yeah, we're used to these different writers. We know what uh, Williamson's like. We know what uh, mm-hmm. Tynan's like. But it does reference like so many things that that were just happening. It references what's going on now with Arkham Tower. It references you know they are everyone's partying in the city it, because they've all survived this fierce state. Like, that's why they're all happy. Yeah. So it falls it straight does on. Feel yeah, it feels like a Gotham flagship book, right? Like it's. He's referencing all the stuff that's been going on in Gotham because there's even stuff in there that references uh, tech, yeah, right with the with the vile stuff. And um, I think it's, so it, it's interesting to me that we take so much time in Gotham to kind of set us up. This is where Gotham is right now. By the, by the end, it's like we're kind of moving out of Gotham. Now I have to leave Gotham. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. I think that makes sense given that Detective is. I mean, Mad just called this the flagship Gotham book. I think for the next couple of months, Detective's going to be the flagship Gotham. Well, book. yeah. That's, I said it was. I said it felt yeah. like like this felt like the hey, this is the Batman, you know, stuff that's been going on. This you know, um, so it almost sets it in the era, if you will. Like this is right when it's going on, and and I like that. It, 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 it uses makes... it's not just like plot points that it references. It also just uses things that the previous run was using too. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's still calling Oracle, you know, like and using that yeah. as a part of a the, mm-hmm. the plot device that he's going to be well, using going forward. And this is the argument I use for continuity. And I know sometimes continuity gets like, it gets a little bit hectic and you shouldn't have to read 14 books to understand what's going on in one. But the fact here that there is a continuity across the bat books, I, and Williamson plays into that. He doesn't just decide he's going to do his own thing. I appreciate that. This is very much an issue that is aware that it's the start of a run and that there's a lot of exposition essentially for 
uh, for people like us who've been reading everything, we're like, yeah, yeah, this is all nice. This is what's just happened. Mm-hmm. But to anyone who's jumping on to Batman books right now and hasn't been reading any of them for the last, you know, six months, a year, whatever, this is essential information as to setting the scene of where things are right now. It's little yeah. things though, like um, like someone jokes, oh, I thought I saw Nicano crack a smile, and it's like yeah. that little mo- that little line right there is for us. It's for the people who've mm-hmm. been reading this and get why that's a funny line because Nicano has been this like really I, I, determined mayor. I, I actually think it works for both because I think that's really important for. People who haven't been reading the books as well, that goes, okay, Maya Nakano, so it's given you that name, and mm-hmm. it goes, oh, you know, even saw them smile, which tells you, okay, they don't usually, so it's immediately oh, telling sure, you what sort yeah. of person it, they are if you have no knowledge at all. It does do that, but I'm not expecting the character feature in this book that much, if at all, no. for the foreseeable future. I think that's mainly there, is just, again, another kind of, like, passing the torch yeah. kind of, like, moment of, like... Mm-hmm. We're acknowledging what the status quo in Gotham is, and it's still going to be going on during Detective, yeah. and it's still kind of adhering to like the rest of the Bat Family books right now, and everything they've set up and everything they're still doing, which mm-hmm. is really nice I, because I, I think I think there was a concern when they announced this, and it was like, oh, Williamson's coming in, he's doing a new villain, and he's going to do something with Batman, yeah, he, that it was going to be like, oh, he's completely like you know absconding from the rest of the Bat books and just doing his own little thing in the corner somewhere. But I I like too though that it feels like new like it feels fresh while referencing what we've gone through do you know what it is as well i think and 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 this could sound like a negative but i don't mean it that way Mm -hmm. it's an advert to go and read detective like if you like all this gotham stuff that you're seeing you know you're picking this up it's a new run and you're you're hearing all this stuff and you like this saying it's it's kind of an advert to hey go check out detective if you want more of this stuff i I believe that's that's called synergy right like it is yeah yeah, that, that's a very Disney concept. And I mean that in the, hey, you liked uh, the theme park ride, here's a movie, or here's a TV show, or, yeah. and you know. I think what's noble, though, is that this first half where he's in Gotham and all this, like, you know, New Year's-style partying is going on, it does, it does actually serve a purpose in the story as well, in the sense that there's a lot of jokes here from Oracle and other characters that, oh, maybe you should just like take the night off and enjoy the fact that everyone's in a good mood and everyone's happy right. and th- things are in a good place. That's kind of intentional because then when it hits you with this kind of, you know, the, the story is going to have to go and investigate later mm-hmm. on, which is very, you know, it's, it's got like a dark vibe to it. It's like, you know, someone's grim. There's a murder yeah. and like maybe someone in the Bat, like a team Batman Inc. is basically all just admitted they've done it. But obviously he <laughs> suspects there's more to it than that. But, right. uh, but you, you've got all this set up and I, I think the, the, like the the contrast of tone, and even the fact that that first the first half of this book is so colourful, and I love that. But they are is that it's so colourful with all the fireworks going off and all the yep. the city lights and the neon lights and all that stuff. And then when you get to the stuff where he's going to investigate the crime scene uh, in Europe, wherever it is, it's like oh no, now it's just all these natural daylights and like shadows and darkness, and it's just like all, all it's of the colours not Gotham. Yeah, the colours yeah. just all gone. Um, we're in a different world, and I think that's really interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. To, to, to do that with it so uh, that's really cool yeah so like I said the first half of the book there's a couple of criminals that are going to break in somewhere and Batman shows up and I, I actually really like the build up to this where one's like convinced he sees, a, he sees Batman and the other one's like nah it's the gargoyle it's just Gotham like it's nothing uh, and it builds up to this and you love what he says too he's like <laughs> you know the gargoyles in Gotham that's how it got its name just calm down you know, yeah, but uh, it, it builds us up to this full page spread of Batman with the fireworks behind him, and it's like it is an abnormally colorful Batman standing on a rooftop page. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it works really well, though. Yeah, no, it does. Uh, it's it's really nice. 
And there was, there's some good humour here because the two crooks, when they realise Batman's actually, are just run to the nearest cops and beg to be arrested. <laughs> Arrest me. <laughs> All right, if you insist. <laughs> Hold on, yeah, sure. Batman. We're going we're to rob the pawn shop. Yeah, so... Just really stuff. It does reference some of the characters that you know, Ghostmaker and uh, Clown Hunter are off doing training and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but and we even get like a reason why like we're going to get them to draw like all of the Bat Rogues Gallery without having a convoluted plot of why they're all actually there. It's no, no, no. There's a costume party, so we get a bunch of Jokers and Riddlers and Two Faces and and whatever. Ivy freezes yeah. and Ivies yeah. and Fireflies. Yeah. Uh, although the Fireflies real though, right? Like. Uh, that was yeah. actual Firefly. Well, that one was. Yeah. I mean, there might be more in there as well. True, yeah. A few Catwomans and yeah, yeah. I, I, I did love that because it does seem like a shitty billionaire club thing to do. It's like, hey, you know the thing that people in this city are terrified of and has have caused them untold amounts of damage? Let's all dress up like do them. You know what it, it felt like? Maybe it was too early, but it felt like a very specific reaction to me to uh, Chrissy Teigen doing the Squid Game pie. Of, I like, did not know about that. Completely missing the completely missing the the point of what that show was with you know all, all the rich people having the party and doing that like um it kind of felt like almost like a, a reference to that firefly is real though so he's at the party he's yeah. got some cronies he's, he's got a guy who's helping him who's dressed as mr freeze but it's clearly not actually mr freeze he's some <laughs> no some dude with a beard he's, he's, he's a bit chubbier as well but looks it yeah he's really squeezing that suit. say that from a guy who you know <laughs> i'm not the smallest guy in the world so yeah, yeah, so we have uh, Batman jumps in with some sort of croc, killer croc suit on. Uh, so for, for a hot second, Pete, I got worked thinking that killer croc's at this party <laughs> decides to help. And I was like, oh, good, we're getting a killer croc. And, you know, I like, think it's, it's feasible given what just yeah. happened with yeah, Batman no, Catwoman. The, it it, it right, wasn't right. like a, a massive stretch. They're, they're kind of, yeah, they, they could, so they could I, have been playing with it. So I went to Twitter and I was like, oh, I like that they're adding Killer Croc to the Clayface, Poison Ivy, former rogues, anti-hero. And then it's just Batman. I was like, of course, dummy. Two this pages later. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone on Twitter thought you were such a fool. Yep. <laughs> uh, nah, so I really that panel actually where he punches the... Uh, I mean, it's not actually the Riddler, but like he punches the the Riddler that's there uh, the guy. in the face. And I like how he goes, those aren't Croc's moves. Um, who are you really? Yeah. And then it just the reveal the suit just you know melts away. Yeah, it gets burned off by Firefly. Yeah. Uh, cool. I, I love the idea that this this Joker, uh, who's not obviously again not the real Joker, but he tries to like use like two knives. He dual wields yeah. some knives and tries to like slit stab Batman, which is like I must say I must say Joker would never do it because I can see him doing it with like a certain sense of humor. But this feels like some asshole who thinks he's got some skills with some knives. And to be fair, it's, it's just not that bad. It's just Jared Leto. <laughs> he would be at some rich asshole's party. In fact, he's probably yeah, throwing right? the party where everyone's dressed as villains. It's his party, yeah. Yeah, and him and uh, Walking Phoenix are just like staring at each other across the room all night, like just staring daggers at each other. Yeah, you think Walking Phoenix is going to one of those? To piss off Jared Leto, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh ultimately uh, there's a real freeze gun though because they mentioned one of the pages that uh, they stole uh, freeze's gun uh batman grabs it though and freezes the firefly gun and voila would you look at that uh every day is saved and all the rich assholes don't even realize that this is real they just think this is some part, like a show that the host has put on for them uh and fake Catwoman even tries to get flirty with them 
Uh, and then a little girl dressed as Punchline asked yeah. for his autograph. And I love that he is not thrilled about this, but he does actually draw a bat symbol on the paper. He smoke bombs out and just leaves yeah. it. It's just so delighted. Uh, this is also in this, this is how messed up this, this party is too. Punchline, isn't she on trial for, for stuff? Well, I mean, this is a party dressed to go as villains. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but to have your daughter dress up as Punchline is a whole level of ick. Right, have, you, like, have you seen the photos of like families holding machine guns next to the Christmas tree on Twitter? Oh, for the Christmas card yes. pictures, yeah. yeah. That, that, yeah. This, is, this is so believable to me that's, after that's, that. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not believable. I'm saying it adds a whole level of ick. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. Like, uh, also, that person's a congressman. Oh, I saw more than one. It wasn't picture. just the one, but yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. The first one there's, was. there's a trend of them now. Yeah. 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 I'm sure that, yeah. I don't know if the congressman started it and people jumped on or if he saw it happening and was yeah. like, oh, all I know is that Ryan Higgins, uh, you know, comics conspiracy guy, had asked for a Photoshop of them to replace him with dildos. And it was and already someone, there. It was already there, and it's <laughs> one of my favorite stories of the week. Mm-hmm. So, oh, dear. Uh, anyway, okay. so... Um, aye. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, uh, there's a sweet little moment here where Barbara asks, you know, what do you usually do after a successful case? And there's a page just showing, like, various examples, like him with Gordon next to the bat symbol, him with a uh, presumably young dick. I mean, maybe no, Damien. that's Damien. Uh, that's Damien. That's Damien with the doctor. So it's a very, it's a very yeah. tight panel. I didn't, you know. I no, it is. I, I'm just going off of the cape that looks like a hood. Yeah. That's, no, no, you're right. You're right. I was going by the dog, but yeah, that that works too. It, it was just you know, like I just saw Robin and didn't think about it when I first read it, and it's just because I'm looking at the the, the collar now. I'm like, this... oh yeah, it looks like Damien. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, and then it's like you know, with Catwoman, then there's one with Superman, and then it's him playing chess with Alfred. And then you look at this page and realize that. All these people are gone right now. Yeah. Gordon's doing stuff in the Joker book. Damien's got his own. Mm-hmm. Catwoman's off. Superman's on Warworld. And Alfred's dead. And it takes a lot for me to feel bad for Bruce. This page <laughs> feel really bad for Bruce. Like I was like, oh, he's he's for sure lonely, even though he still has like his other kids, right? These are all his coping that he just doesn't have now. You know? Like and I was like, God kids, damn, it's not like they live at home anymore no but like i like that he's talking to barbara and barbara's like oh well you know dick's gonna bring over bagels and and coffee come on over but it's not that it's you know it's what bruce is used to that is just not there and the fact that he's lonely and i just something about that really resonated and i was like oh i feel bad for the poor i I, I I actually really like that moment with bob's where where, and and dick's like hey tell him to come over it's it's literally the parents looking after the the, the kid's looking after the older parent who's on yeah. the right yeah. now. And there's a couple of details here. Like one, I like that Dick's already got a third cup, right? Nice yeah. touch. Uh, and also the idea that he is maybe about to say yes, and he's going to like make this, you know, yeah. part of the new like you know victory tradition. Yeah. But then it's right at this moment where he, the light of the, the the blimp with the like the the bulletin hits him. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going dark for 48 hours. And it's like, it's like, it's almost like a really funny beat because it's like the opposite of what Oracle's asking. Like, don't go dark. Come yeah. and be a part of the family. And he's like, I'm going dark for 48 hours. <laughs> is is anything more Gotham to your reign than um, Blimps giving out the news? Oh, it's, yeah. It's just no, super, it's Gotham. I, that's proper I Gotham. Love it. Uh, the fact that they're, they're carrying uh, big uh, yeah, screens uh, yeah. for, for, you know, billboards and ads and news bulletins is, is amazing so yeah it says batman inc arrested and uh says murder 
And obviously that sets us into the, the second part of the book, which is uh, in Badnesia. Yeah. Badnesia. Yeah. So which, it's some sort of... Uh, it's this, this is a fake place, history. right? This is a made-up place, right? Yeah, this is a made-up yeah. we, We've been there before in William's books. This is where the Flash went when looking for the... Oh, yeah, it sounds familiar. Speed but, like, forces. Just... Uh, I think Taylor went there with uh, the Suicide Squad. So it's... it's I, if I remember right, it's like their Madripoor. It's kind of like a place where, yeah. you know, um, you can get away with with things uh, that you normally wouldn't be. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, none of the like, places being made up is unique no. for DC no, because DC most most of DC's is. regular cities are made up. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. just just trying to place it geographically. I know people mentioned maybe Europe, but yeah. like, it's definitely got some it's, Asian influence it's, given it's the in police South tape. Asia. Is it South Asia? South yeah. Asia. Okay. See, I was going to say maybe it was like Eurasian, maybe like like the architecture looks very like Turkish almost. To I mean, be, it could to be. be. To be fair, I said Europe when I wasn't looking at the page. The, now that I'm looking at the page where he's actually yeah. there, I would have said Asia too. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I to me, it's always somewhere like around like Thailand, like that kind mm-hmm. of area. I mean, it could be Connor, like you're saying Eurasian on on that side of the continent, um, but. You know, that's, we need, that's we need like a DC Atlas. DC. Yeah, I, yes. can, I can look up. I'm sure there's one. <laughs> no, not now, not now. Just fine. Uh, I'm going to look. So, yeah, we're interested in your character uh, here. Well, as far as I know, it's a new character anyway. Uh, uh, Kia, who is a detective um, in Banesia, and she doesn't believe, like, she thinks there's more to the case than just, because it sounds kind of fishy, like all these Batman Inc. characters just walked in and confessed to this murder after they did it. And she goes in and she thinks she's found some evidence and it's like, why has no one looked at this? And of course, Batman, uh, a, a way old Batman appears. Uh, he's changed the outfit as well. He's got his oval on now as well. He didn't like, earlier in this year. So. I didn't know. This is the Batman Ink suit. The Batman Ink suit, yeah. And I wonder if that was an intentional statement from, like, obviously from the, the creative team, it's it's telling us, yeah. no, no, we're in Batman Ink mode. But, but from Batman Bruce. himself, yeah, yeah, like from Bruce, was it more of a solidarity with them, maybe? Yeah, so... Bruce examines the crime scene and she says, okay, so Batman Inc., uh, like, they, they killed Abyss, right? This new character. Yeah, so who's, yeah, he's been terrorizing buddies now, kidnapped at least 20 people, so they came to save the day, and but, uh, it went, yeah. Yeah, but, but if you look at, like, you know, when he's looking at the bullet holes and he's sort of visualizing mm-hmm. what's happened, he's seeing, like, a, a, a shooter from up above that doesn't mm-hmm. really track with, like, any of the right. Batman characters. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, so he's 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 he's, he's literally pointing out plot holes <laughs> like in this like confession yeah. that's been given. Uh, there's but more to the story. Points out goes, but they did do it somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, at least they're saying that. Maybe there's a reason why they're. Well, I don't know, that's Batman's conclusion, isn't it? Is because you know the detective's like, oh, so they're being framed, and and Bruce, no, no, that's the problem. They did do it. So there's. So, the... There's more there, though. I'm I'm sure. Like, yeah, um, he, he's he's obviously jumping to right. Okay, mind control things like that. I'm assuming has you know why why did right. they all suddenly you know become right. like this? You know what affected them in this way? Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, it sets up this mystery. It sets up like okay, we've got this going on. Uh, the big thing at the end of this year though is that 
she brings up, oh yeah, there's a guy in like Gotham who was funding like Batman Inc. Right, and he's like, yeah, Bruce Wayne, but he's no longer. And that's a good point. He doesn't have the money to <laughs> fund Batman right. Inc. anymore. Uh, we know this. And in walks, you know, someone else, the, the, the new sponsor. Yes, the the benefactor who is uh who's sponsoring the whole thing. And we see like the feet, we see the suit, we can tell it's someone rich. Uh, I didn't actually notice the L on the jacket the first time oh, I read did it. You not? No, it, uh, I still guessed who it was though, because it was like, well, who was, else would wear the white suit? Yeah, there's only right. a few people it could really be, so it was not a surprise when I turned the page and saw that bald head, and then the final like, dialogue is just the close up of Batman's eyes of Luther. <laughs> oh, I love, I love um, Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor interactions. That's ended up in like a, a weird week of like Lex Luthor returning, because you know yeah. this, this and Superman both have him returning. He's, he's been on. Yeah, once I saw the purple, and then I saw the L, I was like, oh, okay, of course. Because, um, I mean, who else do we have that has that much money that's left in, in DC? It's Luther and Ollie Queen, and Ollie's funding the Justice League. So, you know. Probably Dick Grayson. Yeah, Dick. I mean, but he's not doing the Club of Heroes stuff, right? Like, he could have uh, done. <laughs> but but real quick about Bodnesia, uh, it goes all the way back to 1940 from Flash Comics 1. Whoa. Um, and also has ties to Johnny Thunder and the Thunderbolt. Do um, we have a, a rough location? It is. It's, a, it's an island in the South China Sea. Yeah. Uh, in the vicinity of Indonesia. So, um, yeah. Cool. But I think, I like, so it's it's one of those places, too, that has, you know, deep, deep history with, with uh, DC. So it's not just like, he could have created any other place, right? Like, he could have made up his own country, but he, you know, Williamson opted to go with this one that exists already, which is real cool. But yeah, the Luther twist, I, I loved. Yeah, there's only so many times you can add new places. Like I feel like if there's some good places you can use, yeah, yeah, might uh, as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. so no, no reason why not. Um, so I like this issue quite a bit. Like, I, I mean, obviously we went through it. I, I think I like how much it addresses and acknowledges the past run. I like how much it still seems to be, you know, accepting what's going on in the other Bat books. Uh, I think the art is very good. Uh, I love the colouring in the first half. I think the art is still very solid in the second half as well, though. Like, him appearing in the shadows, the crime scene stuff. The new character from the brief interaction we get with her seems seems likeable. Like, you know, she's, like, wants to investigate this when everyone else is, like, just wipe their hands off it because, ah, the confession, nothing to see mm-hmm. here. Um, but she's, like, you know, you know, she smells a mystery, and that makes her just inst- in- instantly a little bit likable, I think. And then the ending with Luther is just, like, interesting. It's like, okay, so he's got his mitts on Batman Inc., and how exactly is he influencing it? And, you know, how, is it as simple as him corrupting him enough to kill someone? I don't know. That feels a bit straightforward, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where this is exactly going to go with the whole abyss thing. I know it's a new character um, and whatever, but I like that. I like that now we're, we're in for the ride. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I would say this feels a bit more light, I guess, than the last run, but it's hard to say that after one that issue. That's off pretty light yeah. as well. But like, at least from this issue, it feels like, oh no, we're going to be having like a nice sort of pulpy time like with all these various we're, things we're, going we're on. We're doing Globetrotting Bruce again, which we haven't had in a while. So that makes yeah. it for it to be that. You know, there's, there's something different at this point. I mean, we just had Batman Detective. I mean, that was Globetrotting. No, that was... 
barely. It was it was still focused in mostly one location. It was mostly just well, to London and Paris. <laughs> yeah, but even that was just okay. It was just this mini. It was out of continuity. This is continuity globetrotting Bruce. I mean, I'm not, I don't really care about Globetrotting Bruce, to be honest, but like that, that's not a problem for me having it there, in this case, because like, I enjoyed this issue well enough. Uh, yeah. I, kind of, I kind of also appreciate that the Batman Inc. conclusion isn't just, like, he's running Batman Inc. and we're doing Batman Inc. stuff. Right. They're, they're factored into the plot as, like, parts of the story, but it's not about them being Batman Inc. Also, oh, it, will, it will be after this arc, though, I'm sure. I hope not. Well, I also love that Luther's keeping the name Batman Inc. It's he didn't rename it. Yeah, he didn't rename it to anything. Um, but yeah. And also I think we got the quick history. You know, they were the Club of Heroes and now. Um, and they've added Batman of China in there, which which I do like because I miss those characters um a whole lot. And then they added someone called the Hood, who looks very much like Spawn. Um, so I had to I had to look them up and he's familiar. Uh, I'm sure I've seen him in something. Yeah, so basically he's just a, a I think like a British spy Batman. Um, the, Is that where he was in? Where where he's from? I have to relook him up. Nah, never mind. Yeah, but I know he he started in the eighties, uh, but because kind of there's a lot of similarities, a lot of similarities to Azrael in him, because he's he's based off of uh, Robin Hood, which is where he gets his name from. That makes sense. Yeah. No, but it, it looks cool. I, I've definitely read him in something before because uh, it didn't mm-hmm. stick out to me. But yeah, no, I, I like Batman Inc. I'm, I'm looking forward to after this arc where we get more Batman Inc. Batman Inc. rather than just uh, them as the, the plot because uh, yeah. I like these characters and I, I like, like Club of Hero stuff is all, always fun for me. I like this yeah. issue, but I hope it doesn't go that route. So. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we've been in Gotham like as long as we have, you know, Batman doing stuff in Detective Comics in Gotham, I I always like to see the two books be so different. Um, I'm down for the so, two books being different. I don't even need Batman to be in Gotham. I I, I just don't like Batman Inc. as a concept. So mm-hmm. I, I just I hope it doesn't become the focus of the book after after this actually. arc is done. Uh, but that's just a personal preference. I like this issue quite a bit though. Like I enjoyed reading it. Art's good. Like yep. I thought I hit a lot of high notes and. Every- it- Feel very well, pleasant, was, you know. Feel very yeah. pleasant to read. Every time I say I'm going to stop getting Batman physically, something like this happens. I'll let you were ever going to stop when Williamson took over. Yeah, exactly, and that was my whole thing. Is like I'll stop, you know, when we get to 100. Okay, well, all the stuff is is pretty good. I'll I'll keep collecting it, mm-hmm. you know. And now we're on 118, and okay, I'll stop. I'll stop when when Tynan's done. Oh wait, Williamson's taking it. I have to keep getting it. So you know, yeah, and then stop it, being good. And then please. when it switches to Tom Taylor, you just have no choice. And, yeah. Like, yeah. like Matt's going to have like up to issue two hundred at least by the time he stops buying this physically. I have a lot of Batman going back to when I started getting comics. Hey, if if Williamson has remotely the length of run that he did on Flash, you <laughs> yeah, might have two hundred just on Williamson. Yeah. That is that is very true. Uh, Hopefully, yes. it keeps better consistency. Uh, I, I would also hope it. that. Yeah, I would also the, hope the, that. The only upside to the fact that if it is that long and it loses consistency, which I don't want, I'm not hoping for that, obviously, is um, at least there's other bat books, unlike Flash, yeah. where it's kind right. of just you've got, you've got Flash and that's it. Whereas right. if if this book got bad, which, again, I have no reason to expect that right now, but if it did, I'm going to have other bat books that I'm enjoying somewhere. Like, that's that's a guarantee. The mm-hmm. one thing I can guarantee be relied on in DC is 
there will be a bat book I will enjoy at all times. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so no, so a solid first down. Uh, looking forward to one one nine. Now we giving this issue. Um, I'm giving this an eight point five. Okay. I'm gonna go with a straight eight. I think it's it's really great what it's doing, but you know it's it's a first issue. Yeah, I'll agree with the eight point five. I think I think I, I I really dug this. Uh, it does feel different enough, but it it did take time to kind of like you know respect everything that just happened and not feel like it's just a sudden shift. At the very least, even if we are sh- shifting suddenly now that we're in the case and he's moved to a different location, at least it took time to explain the shift. Uh, so it was like, hey, here's a bit of extra epilogue to the events that just happened. Gotham's recovering from it. And maybe it helps that, yeah, the story might take place out of Gotham, so it's not Gotham in jeopardy. I mean, I'm mentally detectives about to do that, so, I mean, Gotham yeah, but doesn't get arrested. Gotham's always in jeopardy. Yeah, Gotham doesn't get arrested. Mm-hmm. Just, that's just the truth. Uh, so there you go, that's Batman 118. Uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El, 2021 annual. This is Tom Taylor writing with Clayton Henry and Steve Pugh on the R. This is... Steve Pugh and there's a second artist. Clayton Henry, I said. Clayton Henry, he, d- he oh, did say did that. you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my bad. I missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like giving Pete credit for anything, but yeah, it, it, I, think I, I legit Henry didn't first, hear him actually. say Clayton Henry. In in my head, it went straight from Tom Taylor to uh, the other artist. Uh, go ahead, I'm to, so, to I'm, Pew. I'm so glad that that twenty seconds happened. It was a uh, the worthwhile yeah. part of my life. Uh, so, yes, yeah, Superman son of Kal El. Uh, so, doesn't necessarily necessarily have to fit in between the issues it's hit from, give or take, although I'm sure it's important to read this before probably the next arc, because Lex is around now and stuff, but it does feel like an important part of the run. Like, it feels like what this sets up with Lex is going to be something that is, at the very least, Lex is going to be around, and how he interacts with Lex, like his first encounter with Lex is important, and that's what this is. This is the first time that John as Superman deals with Lex Luthor. This is definitely going to be in the trade. It'll probably be at the end or the start of one. Yeah. Um, they'll be like between arcs. They won't throw this in the middle of the arc, but yeah, it will no. be. I'm very confident that it will be included. Yeah, and it's very good, so it should be included anyway. But yeah. it does feel like a. It feels like an important part of the overall run still, even if it's not directly taking place in between the issues that are coming out right now. Um. So, yeah, uh, we get a flashback first, uh, looking at. Superman fighting Lex and Metallo, but it's all a ruse from the Justice League. Metallo turns out to be Martian Manhunter. Uh, Batman recorded Lex admitting to a bunch of crimes, and they take him in. Very sort of old school cartoony uh, art style here. Um, this is the Clayton Henry stuff. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming by the foreheads. Yeah, you can tell <laughs> yeah. by the massive domes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and then we continue the flashback with Lex in prison, and Superman comes to see him. And Lex wants to play chess, uh, and Superman makes his first move, but then ultimately doesn't make any more, and Lex is, really wants to finish the game. <laughs> He's really upset about it. Uh, but, and there's a lot of, like, Lex's mistrust kind of, like, shown in this scene, where he, like, oh, how do we pick who goes first? Because you can see, like, through my, you know, through me to see what piece I'm holding in each hand, which is, you know, typically how people pick which side of chess they're going to play. And he's like, I'll think of a number, and then Superman's like, you'll cheat. Okay, you think of a number then. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, like, really nice little bit of, like, their sort of repertoire and, like, you know, back and forth. 
in the, in the scene. Um, uh, I particularly enjoyed Superman moving his knight in front of his pawns and Lex critiquing how on brand that was for Superman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I really like the moment uh, at the end of this where, he, where as Superman leaves, he's saying, "I'm not playing your games. Uh, I can move in a way you can't." Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for the rest of the issue to see. Okay, how John then interacts with Lex is like the you know, the difference between John and Clark and, you know, really kind of mm-hmm. selling how they are going to be very different. Men. Yeah, so we come to present day uh, and John's talking to Lois a little bit uh, about things. Uh, Batman shows up. Uh, and, oh, yeah, so, yeah, that's Batman visit. So apparently Tom Taylor wasn't satisfied making me tear up a little bit about Alfred constantly in Nightwing. They had to throw a little bit of it into Superman mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I don't know if anyone else noticed this little <laughs> this little moment. Uh, so yeah. yeah, Batman shows up. I love how Lois just immediately goes, "John's not joining the Justice League," and he's like, "I'm not here for that." Not yet. Yet. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Like, hey, uh, Superman left you a message. Hands him a crystal. Uh, but yeah, the thing about Alfred is that uh, Alfred would have uh, Earl Grey tea shipped to all of the houses that he expects Batman is going to visit so that it's always there for him when they offer him a drink. Yeah. I, lo- I love this entire section of the book where the idea of, oh, Batman knocks. It's like, he does it this house That's... because he, last time <laughs> love is gave him an earful by the start of it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, I appeared in the kitchen once. Never again. <laughs> yep. I love that. Also, just uh, uh, no, on the obviously the art's very different to the opening stuff, mm-hmm. playing Henry, you know, the, the big colourful kind of yep. almost Silver Age-esque kind of feeling to, you know, evoke the past. And then this here is, mm-hmm. you know, Hughes art. It's very different. I'm not sure I'm the biggest fan of his John, but oh my God, he draws an amazing Lois. That, yeah, Lois oh, is yeah, good. Lois are good. But his, his Batman with the, the figure that he cuts in the in the doorway. Do you want to, do you want to sells, sells his Batman for me is the uh, the shoulder spikes. It's very, very yeah. 90s, but it's like, ah, I dig it. Yeah, I was thinking that. Although the ears are a lot shorter than the nineties were, the ears were much taller. Yeah, but yeah, it's the shoulder spikes on the they give the cape that upturned feeling that that really sells it. Yeah. So John goes to the fortress. He does help out a polar bear though, uh, who's struggling because the ice is melting around the fortress. Uh, so you know this this book obviously has been very political before. Uh, no change here with this. Um, although he refuses to give the the bear some seals, he he just, he just brings it some berries. I'm not going to seal them. Can we can we talk yeah. about how he calls he calls the polar bear Gale? That's a very good name for a bear. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> That's, this was possibly my favorite moment of this. Just this is taking comics Twitter and throwing it into a book and being like, if if you don't get it, this is fine. It's 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 just nothing. It's just a little moment. Whereas <laughs> if if you if you pay attention to comics Twitter, if you follow Gail Simone, this this was hilarious. Yeah. Uh... So he goes out, it turns out the crystal is actually, Clark has made him uh, like a, an AI-style recording in much in the same way that he had of Jarrell. Uh, obviously, the tone is very different. Uh, notably, he's wearing a Smallville shirt because, uh, yeah, which, uh, of course, he is. Which I love that that's because this Clark is dad Clark, right? So, of course, he's going to present himself as without the suit and with the glasses on. and mm-hmm. um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he won't answer, you know, where he is or how, when he'll be back, but his main purpose here, one of the reasons why he left this message is like, hey, there's some things we have to talk about, and I think the first big one is Lex Luthor, because you're going to cross paths, mm-hmm. and you have to know some stuff, you have to learn from my mistakes, 
Uh, and then we get sort of the, the sequence here, and I love this, is Lex sending uh, a package to various, like, you know, rich crime bosses and stuff, including Blockbuster and some others, and is like, hey, inside that box there was a, a nano chip thing that went into your nose, and I can kill you and it'll look like a stroke, and I, I did it to this other guy recently, and... Mm-hmm. At one point, someone says, like, how do we know you're even telling the truth? Like, what if there is, like... And he's like, well, there either is or there isn't. It's Schrodinger's nanite. Yeah. <laughs> like, Schrodinger's deadly braid nanite. It both does and doesn't exist. Yeah. And he's like, ah, oh, Lex Luthor, you real piece of work. It's really good stuff. He's extorting them all for money so he can uh, buy his new tower in, in Metropolis. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of them does actually shop later on, having suffered a stroke. But Lex never admits that it was really him. It's just, it's right. all sort of played for, it probably did do it, but yeah. he's never going to see it. No, so he's like, did you kill them? And he's like, no, they just had a stroke. So, so there were no nanites? Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> With a big big grin on his face as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know the confirm nor deny those accusations. Yeah. Really big uh, shitty grin. So he's got this new tower. He's got Lex Corp across the top of it. John is livid about the whole thing, especially when he notices that it's positioned just right so that, at least for a few hours during the day, the shadow of the word Lex is hitting the Daily Planet building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I thought was a wonderful touch. Like shithousery. Mm. Very. Uh, what I uh, dug about this, though, I, probably my funniest moment of this issue was the explosion that knocks off the L, and then immediately John turns around and says, It wasn't me! <laughs> Yeah, but I could see how this would look bad. Because he, he's I literally just complaining about it, and then there's an explosion that knocks it off, and she's like, John, it wasn't me, I swear. I think we'll catch it, though. I want yep. to get crushed. And then he goes, and there's there's Lex bots, it looks like. Like, they're purple, and yeah, but why yeah. are Lex bots attacking Lex Tower? So It's really simple. Uh, it's why the guys who tried to blackmail like made yeah. the processor or something, and he, he did yeah. a switcheroo. So- so Lex is in a new, because we saw in the beginning section he was in his traditional power suit. Uh, and so now, after that one got destroyed by Superman, here's this new one. Like, looks There's always net. a new power suit. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I didn't take this as the new one because Superman destroyed the old one. I took this oh, as, like... Oh, no, no, no. The, like that, that one we saw in the flashback, was that was way back the first time he caught Lex. That, that, you know, he's been yeah. through 10 power suits, but, 20 power suits since then. Is, yeah, this is a different Lex now, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's a, you know, so... And it's not a team-up. It's not a no. team up. It's we're uh, at the same. We're. <laughs> I just want to make it clear. We're just two people fighting in the same space. This is not a team up, and Lex agrees, which I, yeah. I love. And of course, he wants to play chess with John. Uh, we find out a little bit later that John had never played before, but he goes off and he, he basically goes off and watches Queen's Gambit, reads a bunch of chess books, and super speed, and, and studies it, Lex's games specifically. Yes, yeah. yes, and comes back and dominates him. Uh, I, I do always love the joke of someone being good at chess but still calling the knight the horsey just to rub it into the other person yeah, that they're that me laugh because that's checkmate because of my horsey yeah <laughs> and notably the knight is the first piece the superman move just a, a nice yep. little thread and this is this is where it comes back to that that moment from superman at the end going oh, i'm not playing by your your game mm-hmm. whereas this is, john is willing to play the game john is willing to play the game and win at it and kind of you know, and, and this not unethically yeah you know, he doesn't no. yeah in any way he just He's willing to learn the rules of the game and adapt to it. Well, and that's, he that, and uses that's... his advantages against... That's what Lex does, right? 
yeah. and, and this goes back to what we've been saying since issue one of this book is that john is a superman who is willing to get into the dirt and willing to get into the politics yeah. and try and make a difference in ways that superman yeah. sort of like made a point of abstaining from because he didn't want to sort of be this like godly figure who influenced things with his with right. his strength. I think that's where like the, this idea of the right wing Superman. I think it comes from that idea of non interference, right? You know, and especially these days, the the idea of oh, you're not taking a stand against something that's that's you know almost just as bad in a lot of ways as mm-hmm. as being for the the other thing. It's supporting I, the status quo, effectively. Right, and I, I guess that's where the idea, at least in recent times, is kind of perpetuate from it and uh, that's probably where why did you want it to go that route with superman i i would argue more it's more cynical in that that's that's the dark knight returns superman it, yeah no it is it it is yeah. that but i'm, I'm wondering so. if maybe that's how you if that's the superman you want to tell the story of right now that's mm-hmm. at least how you sell it as being relevant is is kind of you take yeah. that angle but and this is you know this is this is John being the epitome of oh the kids are all right you know they they you know being the activist essentially yeah yeah so yeah. really neat touch and then it's got the final little joke moment where he he brings up the because uh, because uh, Lex is pissed about the game he calls him a little shit and then John hands him his big L and says Luther you should take the L and leaves this giant L that fell off his building right next to him which is a really funny joke it, it's it's the it's the super powered version of saying take the L he yeah. literally gives him a big L. It's pretty funny. I got a chuckle out of it. Uh, so yeah, that's basically the book. Yeah, there was one little tease at the end, but we well, find out we yeah. find out he killed the guy, which we mentioned already. Uh, no, no longer well, shredding his nanites. No, no, no. Um, because this is the guy that that turned on him, right? This is the, guy the, whole, uh, the processor. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, and so, um, but also he says, "Call the president Gamora." He's willing to talk about the rising, which is you know Bendix and yeah, yeah. The main book. So um, that means that. Well, he's already conniving against John. He's, he's saying he's willing yeah. to help save the world because he's got resources. And right. I do, I do kind of like the John's argument to him is that, you know, a lot of people don't want to deal with these issues because they don't believe they'll be alive when the, the actual right. receipts come in. But we both know you're going to either find a way to transfer to a new body or a robot suit you're, or something. <laughs> like, Luther will Luther. find a way. Yes. Yeah. And I, I do believe that, like, again, not that Luther's not evil, but He's never wanted to destroy the planet, right? He, no. he wants to live. He wants to control well, it. Well, sure. I mean, that's why I had a problem with his characterization during the whole uh, Snyder Justice League run is that it kind of felt like he was shifting towards... He was towards... trying to reform it into his whole whatever doom meant, right? To... Yeah, but I don't think... It, so it wasn't destruction even in that book. No. It, it was it was a form of... It was clearly going to be, though. Like, Perpetua was all about the... Dest- like, she, like, she might have been saying she, whatever. Like... And, yeah, but I think she played Lex. So that's why Lex ends up you know, not exactly going along with Perpetua at a certain yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, so this, this kind of makes sense here, right? Yeah. Well, that's the point I'm making, though, is that when I got to this beat in the story, I really appreciate it because it felt like Lex to me, as opposed to where I didn't like that story, the, one of the problems I had is that Lex felt like he was just a different character for a lot of that book. Right. Um, but I like here, though, too, that he realizes with John that he can't, like, he can have the antagonistic relationship with Superman, right? Like that give and take. But with John, John just showed him he can beat him at his own game. So he's got to go outside of him yep. if he really wants to and mess with John. I think it'll probably make Lex more dangerous in the long mm-hmm. run because mm-hmm. Superman wasn't willing to play the game. So Lex right. kind of just stayed not safe, but you know, he, he was predictable. Right. Whereas if John's going to play by you know 
Lex's rules, so to speak. Lex is right. going to have to go off book. Yeah. Um. One, one thing I thought about, too, when you guys were talking about Superman wanting to stay out, right? He's kind of almost like a referee mm-hmm. where he just he wants to be outside of things and he'll he'll get involved when he needs to to offset things. But it's always on a certain side, right? He's always going to enforce the rules. He's lawful good in that way. Whereas I feel like John's not afraid to work the refs. Definitely right? chaotic good. Yeah, where he's like, no, I, the refs are there, but sometimes the refs are dumb. And uh, you can take advantage of that. That's what and happens when you're your best friends with Damien growing up. Is you, that's <laughs> you that's be the a point rebel. I was going to get to is, <laughs> of, of course he wouldn't read all the, the stuff. He used his advantages because what would Damien done? He would have told him, go, t- you can live life at super speed. Go go do that. And so, yeah, I, it, oh man, Taylor's so good. We say this every time. But like this issue felt so nice because it didn't, it didn't feel annual sized. It, it, it no. went so quick that I never even noticed well, the page count. And, and Taylor's been trying to do his own thing with John, right? Where he's establishing his own thing. So to bring back Lex into this, but it's just in the annual, you know, it just it felt like he was writing a proper Superman book. Because even those first, you know, what, what was it? Maybe a quarter of the book was that backstory. Um, it just felt like Taylor's writing Superman story than presents to John, so and it just felt right. Like, yeah, it, it's I, I, nice I to have a writer that gets the characters. Yeah, I don't think for a second that this is like Lex is definitely going to show up in the main book after this. No, oh, most likely. Yeah. So, uh, no, unsurprisingly, uh, and I, I think you know Taylor's Superman book was promising at first, but it wasn't quite the home run from the first issue. But it's done nothing but get better and more intriguing to as to what it's been doing and setting up with John and his, his surrounding supporting cast and his surrounding world and his worldviews. I've done nothing but get more interesting the more the book has went on. And we're only like, what, four or five issues in at this point? Plus an annual? Yeah. So, I think the last one was five, yeah. yeah five. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, Matt, what are you giving Superman, Son of Kal-El, 2021 annual? Uh, I give it more, but the Clayton Henry heads always throw me. <laughs> but I'm going to give this a nine. <laughs> I was giving it more. I'm giving it a nine. <laughs> Connor, um, I, I don't have a problem with Glenn Henry heads. It's just I've, I've just accepted now that they're a distinguishing feature, and I don't really mind yeah. them anymore. Um, but I'm also going to give it a nine. I, I am going to go eight point five. Uh, I think, and for me, it probably is Clayton Henry. <laughs> This dropping at the half point, but it's it's actually less so the heads and like because his his heads have been worse. Like I, I've definitely read other books that Clayton Henry's done where the heads have annoyed me way more. Every time he did a flash issue, yes, it, precisely that. I think for me though, with this, uh, my problem with the the art, which is not bad art, that first like chunk, all the flashback stuff with Superman and Lex, it's more that it's so clean. Is that it looked kind of like the art you would get in an old like two uh, D like animated series or something like that and the art and like something like that has a very sort of like simple look to it because they have to animate it so there's so many frames and panels and blah 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 uh the, it just i don't know it feels a bit like it feels like the sort of art you get in like a tie-in comic that's trying to mimic an animated series as opposed to an actual superman comic and i know that's a weird distinction to make but it's just a feeling and when i feel it it just feels a little off uh whereas the art after the, the switch didn't feel that way mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I get what you're saying. Well, that was probably a long-winded description to say that I just didn't like the art I, I as th- much. I, think as I get what you're saying, while disagreeing with the feeling. That's fair. You you may like that feeling, but I uh, 
I, 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 I don't tend to love when I get that feeling from comic art. So, uh, 8.5 <laughs> from me. Okay. Let's keep this Tom Taylor train going here, because uh, we got another one to talk about. Some Juicy Taylor books. You went to ASMR mode right there <laughs> for a second. Please never do it again. <laughs> oh, well, that is going to be my main feature. Every uh, Connor, where would you say anything? <laughs> every Tom Taylor book I, now is I going to be I apologize, audience. Coming up next, we got Tom Taylor. All right. Uh... <laughs> I'm done, Matt. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting to see. I was like, back I, I would have done, but yeah. it hurts. back on is actually kind of awkward. Right yeah, now. it hurts too much. It hurts him too much to take his headphones on enough. I, uh... What if he was willing to hurt himself to take headphones <laughs> off? Because they're, they're on like a, a headband springy. Um, yeah. More than once I have tried to put them on with one hand and it kind of slips and twangs <laughs> and smacks <laughs> like the, the side of the head. And it, 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 it's not nice. Oh, All wonderful. Right. Alright, Dark Knights of Steel issue 2, Tom Taylor with Yasmin Putri on the art. And I guess the first thing we have to talk about with this, uh, just to sort of skip to one of the big talking points, is that Jor-El in this universe is getting around a bit. <laughs> you know what, Joe? Taking that this is a medieval-style world... <laughs> It checks out. He was the I king. Just, I just, yeah, I was going to say, uh, medieval king getting around a bit. Yeah, yep. yeah. He's, he's just, we found out last issue that he's got a bat baby and that Bruce Wayne's his son. A bat bastard. Right. And then in this issue, we found out that he's got an Amazon daughter because he's got a, he's got a daughter who's on Themyscira, who's basically this world's version of Supergirl, but it's not Kara. It's... Yep. Zala jor Zala. Zala, yeah. Zala, Zala jor uh, she's, she is She is blonde. Uh, she's the de facto Supergirl. Yes. Um... So I th- I didn't make the connection. She was Amazonian. I thought she was just there on the mascara. I mean, I, I don't think they ever say who her mother I, is, but I assumed it was no, Apollo. But yeah, but it makes well. Wait, I was gonna say I didn't think so. I didn't think no? she was Amazonian. I thought she was okay. there because she's with. She's training. Uh, not even just training. She's clearly right. in a relationship with quite but, but, a super Diana. I mean, yeah, her, her so, and Diana. Yeah, or, or, so uh, I assumed she was like, oh, you know, I'm living there with her, right? Right. But either, either way, this is how. Jor-El would, you know, create the the bond between Themyscira and... Do you, know, you, you could be right. Yeah. It, it may just be you that know? she's there for other reasons, but my instinct, because we found out last issue that Batman right. was a son of Jor-El, I immediately went, oh, he's got an Amazonian daughter too. But, but that would make sense too, that he's, you know... Got an Amazonian daughter, so it, now she has a claim. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like he's trying to unite all these different parts of the uh-huh. world. So the Amazons, like, you know, so on and so on. United, I, 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 yeah. I personally took this as no, this is still his daughter with with Lara. That's, um, right, that's what I thought too. It's, it's almost it's conquest through marriage, essentially. Of oh right. well, send her to you know be with the you know the you know the the princess of Themyscira. You may be right, but it's funnier if you knocked up Hippolyta. Yeah. Well, but no, but then that makes them sisters because Hippolyta is. Look, if we're comparing this to Game of Thrones, this is right up the the alley we should be going. Okay. Only for the bad characters. <laughs> well, she's pretty uh, angry. She does well, kill I, someone at the end of this show. Uh, my my brother's getting rid of stuff, and he he put up a picture of his ottoman, and you could clearly see his house Lannister banner hanging. And I was like, "Dude, what are you doing?" Oh, it came in a package. I was like, "So you put it in the prime spot? What are you doing, <laughs> my guy?" All right. So uh, anyway, to jump into this show, uh, sort of an order. Bruce is holding Jor-El's dead body. 
uh, the arrow through the eye, much worse yeah. than an arrow in the knee. So so Batman goes all night and he gets up to Green Arrow. Well, he actually saves Alfred first. He grabs an arrow that's going to hit him in the face. Uh, which something about Batman in this world saving Alfred when he's just died in real continuity has got an extra little sting to it yeah. but uh, he gets to Green Arrow and chops off his arm immediately yeah. <laughs> which is it? Is it an alternate world if Ollie has both arms I don't think it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that's pretty so, funny uh, like the, uh, just in terms of referencing fantasy work so this is so it's mm-hmm. by, by you know, Hob Forrest I'm assuming it's a reference to Robin Hob um Prolific fantasy author. Oh, maybe. I also thought of Hobbs Bay in Metropolis. He, he just said Robin Hobb, like I was supposed to know what the hell that was. Like, wait, do, yeah. you, do you mean Robin Hood? I'm pretty sure the Robin Hood comparison at all is already there, Connor. I mean, I mean, maybe Connor too, but also there's a Hobbs Bay in Metropolis that I thought maybe yeah. that was a reference to. But yeah. yours, yours makes way more sense. So. Uh, the uh, Assassin's Apprentice, uh, I think is the first one. Uh, they're, they're pretty famous fantasy books. Like, mm. Mm. The 90s, I don't know. So yeah, uh, and it's funny because you're like, okay, how far does Batman go in this world? But he does, he does actually make it very clear later that he does not kill. Still, he's willing to chop off a limb, which we know our Batman typically wouldn't wouldn't do. But this one is, so he's more but vicious. Batman's but also half Kryptonian. Yeah, that's also true. Uh, so we tease uh, another well, Green Man, I guess, because I, I think we we took this as Oliver last issue. Yeah, but it feels but I don't like, think it is. Yeah, it feels like there's a, a green man at the top of the food chain, though, that's, like, behind this. Uh, cause yeah, I assumed it was Green Lantern. I mean, right, I, I assume it is a Green Lantern, but we, we don't see who, specifically. Also, but it, I mean, he is floating. It could also be a swamp thing. He's right? floating and says, the ring told me to leave him. It's a Green oh, Lantern. True. Yeah, we know it's a Green it Lantern. A green we're, not deba- we're not debating well, Green Lantern. Well, just debating that. No. Oh, but, well, yeah, yeah. But, well, Matt, okay, Matt's been stripping for 30 seconds, that's fine. But <laughs> but I'm saying that we didn't know it was a Green Lantern last issue, and we still don't know which Green Lantern it is. E- even if it is a Green like, it may not even be a Green Lantern that's normally a Green Lantern. This could be another character that's got a ring. Right, right. Oh, uh, yes, that's, that's just what we need. Tom Taylor introducing more Green Lantern <laughs> this, this, this could be, like, Jason Todd, for all we know, <laughs> with a Green Lantern yeah. ring. <laughs> well, also, I just, I was going off of mythology with a... With a swamp being the green man and the fact sure. that he was talking to Constantine, and then hey. I forgot the part about the ring. Hey Matt, you know it could be Alec Holland with a Green Lantern ring. Yeah. You don't know, right? True, it's possible. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that we're not showing uh, and we have like yeah. some sort of flowing like bits of fabric and the, the it's little... like bandages. Yeah, yeah. It seems like he's maybe impoverished type, like one of those. Mm. You know, he's unassuming. Uh, just the whole Kingdom of Storms. A really good look because you have that like medieval looking city with the fortress, but then the lightning and stuff behind it, just yeah, like yeah. which is which is a really neat transition into the next page because it cuts into like Jefferson teaching the kids how to use their powers. I just I think it's a really nice transition away from the stuff that we were doing, you know, with Batman and stuff in the forest was in this pouring rain storm. Yeah. Whereas here, it's actually quite sunny. It's yeah, you know, the, it's it's very um. Like tropical looks, it looks almost like medieval Spain. So, and then you've got all these, you know, storms in the background. So here's a question: um, Jacob, this third kid, is this a yeah. completely new creation, or is this uh, yeah. from something? Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta create something just to get rid of it. Yeah, there, there was a moment during this. Where I was like, "There's a third one." I think I know where this is going. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, I was just, I was wondering, and the, the power he's got is interesting, though. He can make it rain, like he can yeah. control water. Uh, yeah, which. Which I like how in the in the different pierces, each of them kind of split 
a weather power. You know, Thunders is a little bit different because it's more gravity yeah, kind of based. Thunder lightning rain, essentially. Yeah. So I, I, I do like that. But is, is it gravity based or is it a manipulation of sound? I always took it as gravity based because she was making her maths. I more think normally whatever. in normal continuity, probably. Yeah. But here in this specific, I think yeah. when we're taking the more magical approach yeah. and kind of kind of making that, you know, weather more literal, I think it's more the sound of thunder that is being controlled and, you know, it's it's powerful enough to, you know, yeah. create the earthquakes and stuff. Yeah, and I, I, Black Lightning points out as well that it's like they've not had uh, someone who can control rain in the family for generations. So this is something they've expected to return for some time. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. curious. Oh, man. A curious little um, detail there. But but I also do like here that we get the... the <laughs> they don't seem properly villainous. Like, maybe Green Man is, right? But just... We just get the vibe that... <laughs> Green Man almost it feels more like a power ring type character to me. The way he says yeah. the ring told me to do it, it feels more like right. power ring from right. uh, you know what do you call them? Uh, from what how were we were last time? Yeah, from Syndicate. Um, but from last time when we saw that Pierce really wants the prophecy, right? That Constantine had said, I kind of was going to get a vibe that there's a little bit more darkness here. Maybe there is, and we'll see it unleashed after what happens here. But I don't know. He seems pretty well like. He has some points with with how the, the House of L is locking up magical people yeah. for no reason. But then they point out, they go, well, that's mainly a, a bat thing. Like, that's a that's Wayne's um, paranoia. But then, you know, we'll get there, I'm sure. We see who's been locked up, and it's kind of like, well, what's, what's the end game here, right? Like, it clearly feels like he's in the wrong. So, you know... Like who's manipulating these two families against each well, other? I, 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 I think that's part of the point of this issue is that it shows you both of them doing things that are definitively mean or evil, mm -hmm. but they're also showing that they both have these lines. You know, there's a moment where both Batman and Superman say in this issue, "We don't kill." Right? This is not who right. we are. Like both of them have those lines, but there are there's a lot of lines in this where Clark has been a complete dick to Bruce. It's like this is a matter for family to discuss. <laughs> Not for was... you. <laughs> and and they point out though, I think it's Alfred that points out like yeah. he he's grieving right now. Yeah. You know, he 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 didn't mean that. Yeah. He, he, right. uh... but, but, right, which... but even in this angry state, in a couple of pages' time, he still says to you know Green Arrow, the prisoner, like, you know, you're going to see that you know we are not evil or we're I can't remember the exact line is, but you're going to see right. that we are good people. We we are not malicious or whatever. So not what you yeah, think we but... are. Yeah. It was it was very much when when Clark yells at at Bruce. It was very much Game of Thrones with Rob and and uh, John, right? Yeah. When John's trying to put in his, and he's like, "You're not even a real member of this family," and yeah. it's kind of like, well, maybe if he treated him like that, he wouldn't, you know, have this darkness about him. I don't know. There is definitely some heavy Game of Thrones influence going on, yeah, in in this, and that's not surprising, given its well, popularity. Considering considering how it ends, maybe we're gonna get a. Uh, uh, a third eye raven. Right? <laughs> we'll get a more satisfying conclusion here. Yeah. Yes, Game of Thrones references. I understand all um, those. Also, Lois is the messenger. Perfect. Goddamn, Taylor. Yeah. Thanks. So yeah, we see we get to see Lois in this world who we didn't get to see last issue. And same with Wonder Woman, obviously. Uh, but yeah, we're interested. It was Azala, uh, mm -hmm. and she finds out uh, about her father, and yep. flies off. 
And it's obviously because obviously there's all this tension building, there's all this like scheming, if you can even call that on both sides, just sort of reacting to what's happened and what they want to do about this potential prophecy and all that. Um, but the big payoff to this is that there's a rumble in the middle of the night uh, at the palace, yeah, where Black Lightning is with his family, and basically Zala has just ripped this young son out of his room through the wall, flies him up out of the sky, and just lets go. Mm-hmm. Yep. it's super dark it's a super big dramatic ending uh, and Black Lightning tries to you know shock her and she's like it tickles and just flies off like he has no power because um, she blames him she she assumes he's behind it that he's behind the assassination and I mean he like, kind of is I mean well yeah I'm not saying yeah, he isn't he I'm saying she just assumed it though yes right well <laughs> she, she does the whole eye for an eye thing and we all know in fantasy tropes how that ends up working and it doesn't usually work out well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, she he took her father. She she takes his son. Um, also, I think that's why it's maybe important that she is a legitimate daughter right. of, of the two. Because this is one, an act of, of war. Not is, an act of war. This is a retaliation. It's a retaliation. Yeah. But it, as opposed to just coming from it's someone who you know oh you're the, you, we hired an assassin they hired an assassin this right. is this is family and it's not you know and i think the fact that she wears the colors she has the same right. blue and the, the the red cape i think that tells right. me that she is probably a legitimate daughter and that this now feels like it's sanctioned as opposed yeah. to just oh well we're doing the the behind the scenes stuff well, I, I think that makes it more important that maybe she is she does have that authority to kind of do an act like this and it'll be read yeah. in a certain way Right. Well, because they sent the messenger to her, to the Amazon Isle. So, and they they knew what she would do. So, if she is this loose cannon, they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, I think she dev- is definitely a loose cannon. I, 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 you know, I don't know if I would say she, like she has the authority in the sense that this is not a strategic decision that anyone has made that she is. No. When, when I say she has the authority, I don't mean she has the authority from the elves, but I think that that Pierce will see her as having that authority because right. and this just stokes who's ever green man is or working for in in order to, to go back to the um to the game of thrones comparisons using batman is like when uh when they use like um <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm completely forgetting the name of the bastard uh you're talking about uh ramsey ramsey thank you yes yeah, ramsey snow like, the, the idea of okay well Using the bastard, I, I can just like dismiss that. You know, the, I I put distance between that, and it's it's not from my authority. He's he's acting on his own. I can disown him at any point. Whereas, you know, here doing it under the L name legitimately makes it a, a you an actual act of war uh, as opposed to just something mm-hmm. that they can disown. Oh. There, there is no getting away from this from it, the L's now, and that appears well, to see it that way. Well, it's an escalation, right? Is that they yeah. killed Jorel, who was king. So now Clark's next in line, but we're going to assume that Lara is going to be the queen regent, right? Yeah. And then, so what does, how do they respond? Zala goes and takes the next in line and destroys that. Yeah. You know, because there's two daughters as well, right? She went after the son. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's all. Uh, assuming this follows typical medieval rules mm-hmm. that, that, you know, the son would have inherited, right? You know, would have been mm-hmm. next in line, despite right. being quite clearly the youngest. Right. So, but yeah. So I, I like all that. And then in 
before that happens, we they go to the dungeons where Ollie's being kept, and this is where we see Harley trying to reason with Bruce. Which I like this too because it plays into the historical roles of jesters, right? That they weren't just there for entertainment; they were also advisors because they were the ones that had the permission to tell the king whatever, right? Because they could always do it under the the guise of comedy um, and performance. But like, you have Blue Demon there, you have the Airy, you have King Shark, some sort like, of speedster, like yeah, some, some level of flash. I'm not sure who I, it is. But... I'm, I'm guessing it, if it's not. Barry, because the blonde hair, it's Jesse Quick, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Detective Chimp, and then I don't know who this reptilian guy is. It'll be um, uh-huh. I'm completely blank on his name. He's from Young Justice, so he's using that a lot, gotcha. right? Um, okay. Completely blank gotcha. on the name, but I'm, I'm, I think that's who that's it right. is. But yeah, but so you have them, and these are all the people that Bruce has locked up because of their quote magic abilities, right? There's a speedster, a blue demon. King Shark, you have Detective Chimp, who we know. And his. it's clear there's no distinguishing between... Some of them are probably good, some of them right. less so. And that's where, you know, she kind of calls him out. It's like locking, locking all these people up without a crime as precaution. It's a bit crappy. Um, and it's almost as if Bruce... Bruce knows all this, but he does it anyways because he's trying to keep the family safe from magic, knowing that magic is the weakness. And through all of this... That didn't work, so now he's holding himself even more mm-hmm. um, at, at odds. But, but yeah, and then we get to the part where where Pete had brought up, where Clark basically says, "We're not what you think we are." You know, we'll we'll show you. Yet, yet, right after or right before, his it's, sister goes and and the, drops the, the, the transitioning window. line into that is, "We're not <clears throat> killers," and then, right. well, one of them is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it clearly distinguishes that she is acting like she's she's just going angry and acting right. on a whim on her own. Yes, this right. is not this is not right. a team play by any means. No. So, um, and there there might have been a reason she was off at the Amazon. Uh, Maybe she's got right? anger management issues in the first yeah. place. Yeah. Which training her to kill better might not be the best, but hey. Um, I still think we just have a look at the most obvious reason is she's there because Diana. Yeah. More, more than likely. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, and, this is, and uh, I don't think they sent this message with the intention of, oh, she's going to go off and do something rogue. I think <clears throat> her, her dad died. We should probably tell her. Knowing, it, but see, knowing fantasy tropes, which Games of Thrones, I know Pete hates bringing this up, played so much off of, there's always people behind the kings and the queens. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's someone in the House of L that is stoking these fires as much as Green Man is on the other side. You know? So... It just seems like this is this is how you you know create a new order, and and we know from Tom Taylor from stories he's told that's kind of his whole thing is when when there's a an order that's been corrupted you have to destroy it and start again. So um, and it's interesting that out of all of his creator own characters, the Aries is one of the ones that's locked away, right? And what, what does the Aries represent through what, what we've seen in Suicide Squad and and even showing up in Son of kal so um but yeah no this is some really good uh medieval fantasy style superhero but this it still exactly seems what i wanted this book to be yeah but there's still some contemporary stuff thrown in here like with some of the names and you know mm-hmm. some of the descriptions so yeah yeah all right matt what are you giving up uh, i'm gonna give this an eight sorry i'm gonna give that a nine 
Uh, I will give it an 8 as well. I think it's pretty well done. This discussion I give like a 4 out of 10. Uh, but that's... I, I, I'm sorry that this is hitting all the stuff that, that me and Matt enjoy and yeah. you don't. <laughs> I think I actually like it less after having to listen to you to talk about it, honestly. That's that, that's where I'm at, uh, honestly. So, there we go. Um, right, next up. Then. <laughs> we have... Da, 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 the Swamp Thing, issue 10, Ram V writing with Mike Perkins on the art. Uh, so, big stuff. Still season finale, essentially. Yeah. K- kind um, of. Like, like, I think they always expected to get more. As my... I, I hope, I hope that they were writing to, to get more, because if, if this was the last issue, I'd be very upset. Yeah. I, I, poses... think he, I think by the time he wrote this issue, because we know Rambi writes his issues right. quite late, that he right. knew he was getting more by this issue. But okay. I, I still think there's a lot of elements in this that, you know, a little tweak here or there, and this does work as the ending of, of your season. Yeah, no, it, I don't say it doesn't work, There's, but it poses a lot more questions here that this wasn't very fulfilling if this was meant to be a finale. And knowing that we have more is nice, but there's still a lot to unpack with Levi and Jacob and mm-hmm. and this this company and stuff. So, um yeah, I I, mean, it, I I don't think this does feel like a finale. I, mid-season finale, maybe a, a more apt mm-hmm. way of putting it for me, where it still feels mm-hmm. like the actual main plot beats are all still there to be done. It's just that there is a nice sense of like reflection upon what's come so far. Uh, I like this show a lot, though. Like, uh, you know, like I feel I feel like I'm having to sound negative because I'm having to dispute what Cara just said, but I actually really like this issue. Uh, I I just don't agree that it feels like a finale. Um. But it does a good job of kind of re-establishing his uh, relationship with his brother. Talks about how the trees and the green have witnessed all of these happy moments and memories, um, and even the you know the the, the angry parts, like them being chopped down, <laughs> which right. is one of the panels, uh, like all of this stuff. And then it transitions to the big fight that we kind of left off the cliffhanger on last issue, um, and uh, what was the guy's name again? I keep forgetting the rich guy's name. I mean, it's the Prescott guy, but that's not... He's not, he's not Prescott, though. We established this no. last issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but, so, um, he, uh, you know, he wants to set off his liquid nitrogen. That, this is his, like, his contingency plan to, like, kill any of the, these life forms that are in there. Mr. Pilgrim. There you go, there Pilgrim. You go. Uh, and this is, this is just, you know, a lot of great fight art and stuff like that. Um, and them debating and, like, the idea that Levi feels guilty because he kind of, like, assisted their local forest being given up, right? You know, that was, like, his guilt. We got a lot of flashbacks about that. His brother blames him for it. Um, and he tries to protect his brother here. You know, Jacob, right at the end, he tries to, like, cover him when when all this, like, nitrogen's going off. And, you know, like, they, they leave thinking he's dead. Jennifer thinks that, that you know, he's just killed you know, her not-boyfriend. <laughs> like, you know, they're in a weird place. Uh, yeah. But, like, and she's like, like, what you expect me to just walk away? He's like, well, right now you're not a threat because no one would believe you, but you kind of want me to keep thinking you're not a threat. So maybe just, you know, go live your life. <laughs> Forget this ever happened. Uh, so, and I really liked all the art here. I think one of my favorite things about the art in this issue is there's so many close-ups of either his face or, as we see in a second, Woodrow, because that's who he's going to mm-hmm. meet. That's like his backup mm-hmm. because he's lost his uh, his specimens. And it's like, okay, now we can do something with him. And 
a lot of these close-ups with the deep shadows around the eyes and like just the expressions i i think perkins is legitimately getting better like before our eyes i think his facial expressions and the performances he's putting on to the characters is improving with time i think it's better now than it was at the start of this book and i think they're better than they ever were in lois lane which i also thought had really good art yeah, yeah, but you yeah, can go yeah, back to we had Perkins on that that Green Lantern arc for a little while, right yes. at the end of that book. Yeah. Even going back to that, we we were constantly saying, you no, know, the faces were the weak point. Where whenever things were had to be in the light and just kind of mm-hmm. reacting, those mm-hmm. were tend to be his weakest elements. Where you know when he was playing with things in the shadows, they were fantastic. But it's gotten to the point where the shadows are still his strength. You know that that is still you know, his natural playground of where stuff looks the best. But it, it's not as big a discrepancy as it used to be anymore. No. Uh, of course, Levi uh, gets contacted by the Green. Uh, effectively, he's contacted by a being that is all of the avatars that have came before. So all of the swamp things that have existed prior kind of mm-hmm. like merged into one. Just like he kind of represents all of the swamp things to come. Uh, mm-hmm. And he basically tells them that, like, you know, there's still more people to save. There's still hope. The reason why the green keeps reaching out because the green is this kind of like just like silent watcher but the fact that they keep creating avatars to interact with the world and intervene means that they they don't want to just be watchers they they want to actually help they want to like create balance Um, yeah they they need to protect themselves somehow because mankind's not going to do it on their own so they need a representative yeah but it's not just about protecting themselves though i think this comes across as a lot more selfless to me the way it's described here that's what I mean too, but like if they don't have the avatar to speak up for them, how are they gonna do it? Right? Like mm-hmm. and, and I do like that. I like that there is there the idea that there's always been a swamp thing somehow. Like that goes back to this I don't know if that goes back before the Snyder stuff. Um, but I, I did like that uh being brought up and, and here that plays with that more. Um just because you have that that creature there on the side too with the tusks. Um, what it was yeah so uh, sure that was the yeah. big thing the big elemental one that was in inside the green mm-hmm. in like the middle of this story yeah yeah that wasn't that wasn't the tone i was giving you i was just like I, what, why would i know the name of that creature <laughs> i mean one because it's the wood was why would you not know it and right. two it, it says it, it on that very page yeah and the last one was referring to. Well, that's because you don't remember cool things, yeah. clearly. Uh-huh. But yeah, anyways. But yeah, because that's what that represented, right? It was the whole element, elemental nature of things. And that, it, you know, once you can, once as a swamp thing, you can kind of control that. That's where you gain your powers from, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for for me, this, so, this was more about the idea of hope and the idea that, like, the trees witness so many good people. As much as they witness a lot of bad people and they witness a lot of bad yeah. things, they see a lot of good people, too, and they see a lot of people they can believe in. Um, and it's, you know, it's the, the, this avatar says, this is why, you know, they chose you, is because you have this ability to hope. Uh, this hope that drives us all, that drives us to act. Like, you have that within you. Uh, I really like the touch on the art here where there's, like, a, a panel, that's, it's like the roots underground, but it's like two hands, like, yep. you know, like one pulling the other hand up kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, but it's like the roots are doing that. Really nice touch. Uh, but Swamp Thing does kind of like break out of the ice and wakes up. And he uses, like, the this the, the green reminds him that, hey, there's this flower that can create heat, you know, and this is to, like, help his brother. So he kind of, like, goes over his brother and, like, uses this to, like, thaw mm-hmm. him out. So it's a really, like... It kind of, like, gives birth to him almost. Yeah. 
Well, it's it's like he, uh, he, he yeah, it's it's all like consumes them to heat them up. Well, or, or he already had them like inside them because they were the way. Yeah, shielded because them. he he covered them up, right? And then yeah. here he uses the heat to to reanimate. But I also like how skeletal the swamp thing looks when it rises out of the rubble. There's you know? not that much green matter for it to draw on around, so it's just no. like the, the the bare minimum. Right, and it's and it's very like cocoon like, mm. you know, and. And so when it does, like you said, like it almost gives birth to to Jacob here. Yeah, but it's it's just yeah. a really like the the idea of like um finding a way to heat up his brother, even though his brother is like the villain <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, is yeah. this really sort of biblical kind of like just big moment? It's done without almost any words uh, throughout over these pages. Um, and like, he's really weak after it. He, he kind of slumps to the ground afterwards. They're both like clearly drained by this that's what's happened yeah. to them so mm-hmm. really effective and then it like cuts to woodrow doing his work and we, it turns out that this is actually tying into that first story we got the uh the desert avatar mm-hmm. that we met uh or at least that's what one of them suspects it is uh yeah. like back in the first couple of issues like that's the specimen they've got now and this is what woodrow is working on really neat tying it back to that first you know yep. first issue and i think it was the first two issues right first two issues, really yeah. neat tying it back to that first story yeah, and there was obviously a lot of backstory in those two issues, but this idea that there's there's other things other than and we already I mean we've already known for a while that there's the red and there's the rot, but the right. idea that there's more like things like that that maybe mm-hmm. could be tapped more into. Ideas. I think yeah, more ideas at smaller scale in the sense that right. the green, the red, and the rot are all encompassing, right? Yeah. But the, right. the this is desert. It's smaller. It's more specific than just those big generic archetypes of of life. Cool. And, and I like here, he says that through the technology Prescott's developed, we might find we're reaching into a completely different idea. So what does that mean when you start mixing the technology with these primal forces? I what, feel what, like he's going to make something nasty that Swamp Thing is going kinda, to have to fight. <laughs> kind of reminds me of uh, American Gods a little bit. Mm-hmm. That, that story, the idea of you know the, the ancient mythologies meeting the, the new world technology and kind mm-hmm. of what happens. Right. It, it kind of feels like there's a lot of that going on here. Mm-hmm. Don't remind me of that show. <laughs> I'm not reminding you of the show. I'm reminding you of a fantastic novel. Yeah. I don't care about the novel. I I, I saw. Well, I love that with Pete. <laughs> His stuff is very movies and TV focused. Well, because I've seen. So I've seen says, the sh- don't remind me. But I've seen it's, the it's... show in this case, and I didn't like it. <laughs> so. No, yes, I know. That doesn't. That doesn't. Just because you don't like the show doesn't mean there's not ideas in that that you know Connor can't compare it to. I'm not saying you know? it can, but I'm just, you know, it made me think of the show, and I, like, I have this reaction to it. It's like, ugh. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, Connor, even though I haven't read the book or seen the show, I'm familiar enough with the concept of the different new gods, you know? Yeah. Like, isn't there, isn't, like, isn't the internet represented as a god at one point? Uh, I can't remember internet specifically, but, like, television yeah. is, is television. Like one of the big ones. Mm. Yeah, I'm just. Car keeps taking books. I'm enjoying trying to compare them to things that are bad, and it's annoying. Uh, I'm I'm sorry that I have relevant ideas. <laughs> sorry that I'm cultured. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I bring a different viewpoint to to, to this show yeah, that you just God don't God have. Forbid. Well, there's many viewpoints I can appreciate. Yours is just not one of them. John, uh, yeah, <laughs> Connor. <laughs> He would have been like, "That's a very good point, Connor." But you, you're like, "Stop ruining things I I don't like." Do, do, do you know what? I I need to like make like a, a shot that's just you know the the nine panel grid, and it's like uh, all these people 
I'm like, I respect oh, you. Not you. I respect you. I respect you. Not you. <laughs> not I respect you. you. Just a picture of Connor on that one in the middle. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's like Tom Taylor, Ram V. <laughs> not you. <laughs> Is that the one where each each panel has like a different? It's like I respect your ideas yeah. and what you bring. Yeah. Just in the middle, it's a big not, not you. you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, final page because obviously, like, he is so convinced that Swamp Thing's been dealt with. Um, and the final page, of course, it's almost at the end, I mean, male spoilers here, I guess, for the end of uh, a certain movie, uh, named The Iron Giant, but this reminded me a lot of the end of The Iron Giant. <laughs> no? No, it does. It's just the way that you said, oh, not to go spoilers, but The, the Iron Giant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's spoiling too much, so I don't think that ruins the movie for you. Uh, but, like, just the, the eye like, opening at the yeah, end here. It doesn't spoil it as much as every pop culture reference trying to get into a weapon and that's clearly not the point of that movie. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's a fair point. So it's just, you know, him and the snow waking up uh, yeah. and it's like, yeah, so, like, the Swamp Thing lives, uh, unsurprisingly, but... Uh, and it's specifically the idea that it's hard to kill an idea. Yes. Yes. It's a big which, right, which, which, I mean, I'm going to tie it back into the, the whole bomb being buried underneath uh, London. Mm-hmm. That whole thing that that you know all the negativity was you know feeding Which, it. And it, it you know, it's so. funny that this issue brings back the creature from the first two issues, and yeah. then this idea of an idea uh, ties yeah. it back into that fifth issue. So it's it's yeah. kind of interesting that some of those what felt like relatively standalone two parters or single issues early on are now thematically being brought back in uh, yeah. towards the end of this. And now obviously we get these final six issues to go, and we'll see what he does with them, but. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, can I just point out on the so not the final page, but the the, the two page spread before the one in the autopsy room, where all the okay. purple light. Uh, that panel on the top right, I'm like, that's Willem Dafoe. <laughs> sure. Willem Dafoe. Dafoe should play this guy if they do a movie of this. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, if he's not busy being Green Goblin, then sure. Why is that Spoilers, a factor? Man. Why is that a factor? Well, I'm just saying, if they're, they're going to uh, ever adapt this, I'm sure it'll have to be when he's done being Green Goblin, that's all. I'm pretty sure he's done being Green Goblin. Yeah, I'm pretty sure actors can take multiple roles in the same year. I mean, it's pretty yeah. normal for them to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet it's a one-movie thing. Which page uh, there, Pete? You said before the autopsy? Second, second to last page. The, second the to last page. With the autopsy. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Matt agrees. Okay, good. Matt sees it. <laughs> we got there in the end. Oh dear. Uh, yes, very good. Very, very good issue. Uh, I look forward to its return in March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, love all the things it's playing with. Uh, I, I like the general feeling of just. There's kind of this like mythological feeling to Swamp Thing when it's done right that really appeals to mm-hmm. me in a way that a lot of other mythology stuff doesn't appeal to me uh, I guess it's something because it's like based on feelings and elemental stuff and it's and, just and yet when I compare it to things that are dealing with mythology I get shit on because he didn't like this show Connor yeah I don't like the show just he didn't like this show it's not that he has a problem with the ideas he didn't like how those ideas were, pre- were uh, presented yeah oh <sighs> Thank you, Matt. Not you. Yeah, yeah. Which is still a hilarious statement, though, because 
you are proving Connor's point that it can't work in, in ways. And it, yeah, just, uh. I, I don't think I've proved Connor's point at all. I, I think you did. Because you're talking about mythologies, and usually you don't like mythologies, but when, when handled a certain way, you do. Uh, yeah. yes, but, yes, but mythologies are, can be very different. Like, the mythology he's talking about is very different from the mythology in this. Mine was about the mythology of ideas. Yeah. Aye, but like with gods, though. <laughs> yeah, but that's what the whole point of them being American. The idea are, of them is they are—they are, are the gods are ideas made literal. Right. Like <laughs> Zeus is the idea of the sky and everything, because it's vast and all-encompassing. Yeah, yeah. Which which makes them dull characters because the... no, and Aphrodite is the idea <laughs> of love and admiration <laughs> and obsession. And and Ares and Athena are both ideas of war, strategic and and savage, primal. You know, they still work. You know. Eh. <laughs> We're gonna get to Viking stuff. Tears like the idea of laws and justice and fairness. You know, that's how he loses a hand to Fenris because he was the only one that was fair to the creature. You know, these are all. You know, gods are nothing if not ideas. And if you know from Justice League Dark, which I know you stopped on me and Connor kept going with Ram V, very much a thread through that it's, too. It's just like, it's literally what mythology is. Is It's it's ideas given form. I'm not really using it in that way. I'm talking more about <laughs> the mythology of like the world that's created around things. You've never reminded me of Lazo from what we do in the shadows. Yes, but... That's what I think. <laughs> By the way, have you, have you seen the new season yet? I am like seven or eight episodes into it, so I'm, I've, oh. I've got a couple left. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the Atlantic City episode was yes. Like yeah. uh, Mr. Sinatra, I don't recall you being as Chinese as this, and he just goes yeah. ring a ding ding. I stand corrected. <laughs> I was just saying, Lazo is quite the turn throughout that season, and it's very enjoyable. Oh, and it's just, so great. Maybe you could have that turn one day, too. Um, uh, yes, so, yes, gods are ideas, but not all ideas are good, so I rest my case. Uh, and not all so, gods are good, so there you go. None of them are good. Most of them shut. are terrible. That's kind of the point. <laughs> all right, cool. Let's rate so we can move on to the next book. Oh, yes, yeah, are we giving Swamp Thing a shit time? Uh, 8.5. Connor? I'm going to give it another 9. Yeah, I'm happy to give this a 9. This was excellent. Uh, so that's... And ruin this one for you, then. I mean, you tried your best, but... Uh, Try not, harder next time. I'm not letting you get to me. No, it's not happening. Um, so, yes. Uh, Green Lantern issue 9, Jeffrey Thorne writing with Tom Rainey and... Marco Santucci on the art. Matt, the only one who read this, so take it away. Why do I do this to myself? Because I really care about the Joe story. Um, but to get to the Joe story, we have to go through the John story, who I feel like that this doesn't fit John Stewart as a as a character by trying to make him ascended. Because for me, he's always the most down to earth of the lanterns. Um, you know, Kyle's the dreamer. Kyle or Kyle's the dreamer. Um, Guy's the hothead. Hal's the, you know, who's ever writing him puts on a new one. You know, he could be the the leader or the Joker or whatever. But John was always like the, almost like the conscience of the Green Lantern. And here, 
putting him in, I get why Thorns putting him in the story with the new gods. I but they're they're adding a level of predestination that I do not like. So it starts with with John on this planet where the dude on the Metron chair is sitting. We find out that he um, is on the Lightbringer world. He takes out all of the angel looking dudes and through um, through the one god, what's his name, Lonar, um, finds out that, that this guy is a new god, but he's a student of High Father and Metron, and that basically he's trying to bring upon the the light bringer in order to, you know, swing balance or some weird god shit. Like, so the stuff that Pete doesn't like about gods in mythology, mm-hmm. it, 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 it shows up in here. Just because, but I don't know exactly what the new gods represent. And John even brings that up when he's talking to Lonar, where he's like, I thought you guys are just superpowered aliens. And Lonar's like, oh, there's more to us than that. Um, but John, because he has ascended, is basically able to, to use the Green Lantern energy through his body in order to destroy um, this light bringer that they're trying to build. And when he goes like kind of supernova, he ends up having a flashback to high school where he's, you know, standing up for for the kids that are getting bullied and the his teachers telling him that, you know, the world needs people like you because you'll stand up for those that need it because you can use your size and strength to intimidate or bully, but you instead you use it to protect. But as he's saying this, the whole crowd starts to turn into to guardians and the teacher ends up being Ganthet. Um, and so, you know, Lonar, uh, the story is telling him about the, uh, who this guy is. His name is Isak. Uh, he's the one that put the bounty on the rings because he believes that the green lanterns are throwing off the balance. Um, of the because they are immune to the conversion that he's trying to bring the light bringers with. So, you know, the people from that they're uh, picking up are kind of going into this trance. You can't do that with people that are meant to be Green Lanterns, right? Because they have that force of will. Um, and so John ends up using this ascendancy power to destroy this light bringer uh, with Lonar. Um, and and Isak gets upset and says, you know, what you know, what have you brought on? And by him destroying the Slightbringer form, it ends up bringing up a God Storm. All that stuff is it's it's whatever. But then we get to the science cells with Joe, and she's interrogating uh, the the magic chick. What's her name? It's weird. I'm, let me find it on here. Shoot, you really make it? Oh, it's a uh, Euridian, right? So she's talking that you know that they were, you know, you, you can put us in these these cells, but you're never gonna silence us. And Joe starts using her, you know, experience as a cop in a in an unfamiliar world to to get the information out of her. And she, you know, talks about they've been around since Oa. Um, so he goes, oh, it was still a pool before we dropped our pebbles in. We're here to watch everything ripple. And that um, 
she's from this magical world and um, they just don't understand that the magic was meant not to be contained by the Green Lanterns and that this is what the Guardians, the Rogue Guardians knew that, you know, that in order to perceive, <laughs> like, get the balance, what? I saw Pete laughing at me, struggling with the headphones. I was hoping he was going to snap himself in the face with the headphones. Gotcha. It didn't happen, though. Gotcha. I thought he was going to be a weird look. look but it is. I'm not going to lie, I was kind of hoping that you were going to, like, like yeah. notably hurt yourself when you were trying to get up or sit down. <laughs> I was... No, I, gotcha. I tried to go get more painkillers, because, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so she talks about how the... Um, the the they talked about the the arrow that killed Koyos and that basically through that Koyos sacrificed himself he was the rogue guardian that they knew that when he died they would put his body into the the power battery and and, and effectively he turned himself into a bomb a bomb to transcend into something else because um that these beings of magic are way more powerful than anything the green lanterns could ever um dream to be um she says evil evil as the rest yet uh finally able to see their crime and hungry to erase it um because um Koyos had stole stuff from them uh they promised to return their magic so we made the arrow so joe figures all this out she ends up burning through her power and ends up crashing back to where kelly and simon are and there's a there's a huge uh, art mistake in that Simon's there, and Pete, if you remember, he has the robo arm. They're they're calling him Broken Lantern or whatever. Mm-hmm. These last two pages, that's completely undone, and he's just regular Simon without the robo arm and stuff. So um, don't worry, they'll fix it for the trade. Ta-da! Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so, so so they made so, a deal. So someone but, just magicked his arm back. This thing. Yeah. Right. That's all. So she lands, her powers dissipating, um, and you know, she says that you know they made some kind of a deal. I don't know to something to do with magic. Um, and she goes, "No, Koyos is alive. He's holed up in the shadow vault, but he's coming back." And as she says that, there's this loud booming voice says, "I am Koyos. I have returned to Oa." And he is like merged with the power battery, has like a tentacle creature as a crown. And says your time is done, and it ends with Simon, you know, going, "Oh shit!" But it's written in the, you know, fun expletive font. And, and yeah, um, next it says the Anti Guardian. I just this book keeps getting weirder, and not and not in a good way. Like I was enjoying all the Joe stuff a lot, and just to find out you have these rogue guardians that have made some deal. I'm sure to do with the Star Heart, with magic and going to their planet and promising them t- that they'll take control. And, you know, that's very typical Green Lantern. The other half, with with John being this, you know, person that's meant to ascend and use his power and whatnot, like, yeah, that's very John Stewart, but at the same time, it kind of takes his down-to-earthness away from him. Like, he was always meant to be this, like, new god, where I almost feel like he's meant to be the slight bringer. Like, they're kind of doing the torchbearer thing that they did with Kyle way back when. Um, that he's going to be the one to bring the, the Green Lantern power back or whatever it is. That's reasonable. It's just, it's so weird. And when when this started, him getting lost out in space and 
being so excited that they were creating these side teams, right? And we're going to have this kind of new order. Now to become this weird God-focused story with magic guardians, it's quite a turn. And it's not necessarily bad, but I don't enjoy reading it. And I just, I think it's my last issue just because I can't, like, I'm not enjoying reading this anymore. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'll, I'll give this a, a six. Uh, it's it's not bad, but it's not my thing. That's a shame. Yeah, mm. I was scrolling some Twitter stuff, and you know, people people you know, people were talking about uh, the legendary wrestler that is Hook now, who debuted last night. Yeah. And someone, so so they've changed the name of the finisher that Taj used to use to Red Rum. Yeah. And someone and someone responded to the the tweet from Taz saying, "I just realized that Red Rum is murder backwards," and I just. It made me laugh. I suspect it's not true. I suspect they already knew. But Yeah. Either that, I've not seen The Shining. Right. <laughs> this is my, this is my guess. It was, a, it was a quick tidbit, Connor. Quick tidbit. I didn't say anything. I can yeah. see it in your face, though. Connor would definitely be a hooker. <laughs> well, that's a sentence. Yeah. But would anyone pay? Well, I'm just saying, the fans of Hook are called hookers. Are oh, they okay? I think Connor, yeah, Connor would definitely be a hooker. I don't know what this means. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's next? It means you're a fan of the killer from I Know What You Did Last Summer. That's what it means. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, uh, that was Green Lantern. Up next, Arkham City, The Order of the World, Issue 3, Dan Waters with Danny on art. Uh, it's been an interesting little book uh, so far. And... This issue goes deeper into what the Ten-Eyed Man is planning. We obviously have uh, Joy uh, still working with him, questioning her own sanity the more she like is putting up with his shit, including the, the fact the that her, is working. Yeah, her apartment smells like absolute crap because he keeps having like weird body parts and stuff and, and pans, and it's just making everything stink, <laughs> as you yeah, imagine it's it may. like an abattoir, she says. Yeah. So it's all that, that, that raw mm-hmm. meat. I mean, that's like... There's very few worse things I can think smell-wise than like going past an abattoir. Like it stinks. Like it genuinely is disgusting. Like going past. I don't one. know what that is. Abattoirs where they 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 kill all the animals to yeah for, for your meat. Oh oh yeah that that yeah. there's there's a pig farm by a local high school we used to have to play football at, and that smell would come. And I don't know if they slaughtered the pigs there. If that was just the pig uh, smell. Yeah, I, I guess the more uh, generic term would be slaughterhouse. Maybe? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't say. Gotcha. I mean, a much I, nicer I word. Fairly near one, so I'm. I, I go. I'm almost used to the smell at this point. <laughs> That's dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carter's going Carter, to be the next Texas used... Chainsaw Massacre because yeah. he's used to the Carter, smell. Used to the smell of death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you've got this stuff. The detective obviously is uh, in hospital uh, because he got shot there the last issue. Um. And I, I'll be honest. They started talking about the red hood and I, or the red hooded figure, and I actually couldn't remember if it was red hood or Azrael. I was like, <laughs> I was yeah. like, was it Azrael? I think it was Azrael. And obviously, yeah. later on the issue, it confirmed it was. But I actually, for a second, went, or was it red hood? Because it wouldn't surprise me if it was red hood. Red no, hood would have worked on some levels, but I think yeah. Azrael is more interesting for this story. And I, yeah, is, he is. It was just, just power of belief. It was more just like a memory thing because you know it's been a month and yeah, and then you hear someone about red hoods and you're like, yeah. hmm. Uh, so yeah, so she talks about uh, Terry Man stinking up the place, 
and he's got this plan and sure enough we see more examples of uh the inmates being where they're like where they are on this map if you put the map map of the asylum over the city uh so we get more of that now uh, we get this great thing uh where it's dr phosphorus is like next to like an apartment and it, he's having an effect on the couple who live in it and her hair's starting to fall out and he's losing his teeth and they don't know why and he's just like he's like looking through like a hole in the wall like norman bates just like oh i guess that's my bad <laughs> i guess i'm doing that yeah they're getting radiation poisoning because the guy that lives next to him is radioactive which is pretty dark when you stop yeah. and think about it <laughs> well because yeah. dr joy is talking about you know re-mainstreaming these these people from arkham that maybe didn't belong in arkham but they also can't be in the regular world no fault of their own right like it's not like phosphorus is trying to hurt these people yeah but it's just, phosphorus is it's, just hiding by the look of it he's not actively yeah. doing anything yeah what why can i dig uh so so they go to the the park or somewhere near the park and they, they, they find Grundy, right? That's that's who Terry Man's looking for. And sure enough, he, his map was right again. Yeah. Uh, I like the detail here from Joy where she kind of like, you know, I'm just realizing that I'm standing with two people alone with no protection because she says, oh, usually whenever I've met Grundy before, there's been, been like reinforced glass like between right. them. And she's out here alone with these two like people who could easily kill her. And it's maybe like dawning on her. Uh, but it goes into this backstory because, you know, it talks about Grundy being alive, you know, much longer than anyone else. And talks about how Gotham was kind of based. This 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 prophet led people to Gotham back in the day when it was first founded, and his prophecies were very convenient. His visions were convenient because it was all oh we're going to prosper, we're going to build a city, we're going to do all this stuff. But the second he sort of changed and said no 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 now the visions are actually kind of bad like bad things might happen here. Oh that's an inconvenience. We don't want to listen to that. So instead they they hang him from a tree, and it's almost like the city was built on this like murdered prophet who told them that bad things were going to happen here so it's kind of almost like there's almost a curse on the entire city yeah. and that's why there's so many messed up people in gotham is because of yeah. so it's playing into yeah. its own little like mythology and that's building with the spookiness of it and it's building this mythology with with ten man as well the idea that sure we're like okay he's a bit on the um insane side that's why he was mm -hmm. in arkham but there does seem to be something to it his map is working he he did predict someone was going to show he up at the apartment. He ripped someone's jawbone out with his bare hands and no tools. Oh, yeah. We're not saying it should be reintegrated into society, yeah, man. No, no, no. <laughs> but no, what Connor's saying, there's something about him. Is yeah. Like, yeah, no, but, there, there's, see, there's even that, I magic. Can, but I can explain that as like, oh, he has like weird powers, right? But this here is like, no, there's something to his actual like rituals and his prophecies his as well. Because he, he, you yeah. know, he talks about how, oh, he had to get out because someone was coming to the apartment and, you right. know, and then... Azrael shows up, right? Yeah, right. It's yeah. like he he is right on things, and that that are interesting as to how he's right. Yeah, it's it's, that, it's almost a, a trope actually. As you have someone who sounds like complete crazy, but right. if you listen to them occasionally, they actually say things that does actually pan out. Uh, right. So you know, like, it's sort of play with that trope. Um. So, but I really like this, this idea that the city's built on this, like this corpse, uh, and. It goes into the origin of Arkham Asylum and Amadeus Arkham went crazy. Um, and, you know, that that's sort of part of the story. That's part of this. And it feels like they, they want to try and get rid of the ghost or the curse of Amadeus Arkham. And to do it, they need the skull of this, this prophet from back in the day, back in the dawn of Gotham. And they're going to go into Gotham Park to get it. And the Joy's like, hey, if you get seen by the public, like the police are going to swarm this place like in seconds. So you're right. I have to go and do it. 
So this middle-aged woman, as she points out, has to go into the park and just start digging a hole next to this tree like a crazy person. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, like, I I really don't... It's funny, like, I think this this book, like, with both issue two and three, I've had this thing where when I started the issue of, like, I've struggled to maybe remember exactly what we were doing last issue, but it always completely grabs me. As I get yeah. as I get into it, it's and then just got, I get to the end. it's got a tone unlike anything else that DC are yeah. publishing right now. It's it's so it, creepy, it feels, ethereal, but like yeah, yeah I was gonna say it so, feels like a horror book, but not in the way like it's scary. Like definitely like a Vertigo from what what I feel. Heard about. It feels like a like it could be a Lynch movie. In in, in that way of just yeah. just on the tone on the tone it, of like it's, um, it's it's still technically this is in the real world, but it's. Almost a, a little bit adjacent. I think I would probably pivot and say it feels like something like Prince of Darkness to me, like a Carpenter Doom. Now we're talking with car- with yeah, end of the world kind of sense. thing. Because I was gonna pull a Pete and go, no, it can't be Lynch because I don't like Lynch. So <laughs> I, I, Look, I just Matt, I'm so, being... Matt, I'm sorry that Connor brought up a better director than Steven Spielberg, but you're just gonna have to accept it. I, I I'm still waiting for him too because it's, it's not David Lynch. I'll tell you that much. Speaking of Spielberg. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to seeing West Side Story soon. I am yeah. not like all, all two. It's not two happening. Hours and Thirty-six minutes. It, it is long, but I mean, yeah. it's not happening. Okay. What what movie isn't long this year? God damn it! Yeah. It's, 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 Venom. Venom is the only movie that's not long this yeah. year, apparently. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Uh... Didn't see that. Well, of course not. Why would you? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> Grundy. But but yeah, no. Um. Yeah, there's there's a sense of of like darkness, but not quite horror, where it's trying to, you know, it's not trying to be scary, but there's a sense of otherworldliness. It's more it's know. more foreboding. Like there's something sinister about everything, and like there's no hope, and like just mm-hmm. it, it's the right story to tell with these types of characters, and it's a yeah. really, it's a really interesting spin to put on this, and the idea that one of these villains is trying to like beat the the spirit of Amadeus Arkham, who's like coming after them because whether or not do we even believe this spirit exists yeah yeah uh, and Azrael of course shows up and tries to attack it actually kills Grundy and obviously Grundy will come back because they point that yeah, out yeah, that's what he does but he does One behead him we do get to see him behead Grundy uh, and then he comes in and ten, Ten-Eyed Man has to like sort of strangle him and all that Um, and then at the ending I actually was a little bit confused here because uh, they, they look up and they refer to this as Amadeus Arkham, but I was just thinking it looked kind of like phosphorus again <laughs> because of I the color. I did the same. Yeah. It, it was only when I was like, this is a completely different location. Yeah. That I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess it's someone else entirely. Because I also thought it was phosphorus at and first. It, and it even says next the phosphorus fires and, you know, burns, right? And that's like in this, that's within this panel of like him in this green color. So, yeah, but I I see that it, this could be like a glowing green, like of a ghost. Yeah, that's like, what I, it is, right? Yeah. But I had to like second yeah. guess it because it was so similar to phosphorus's look earlier. Yeah, and it yeah. made me question. I was like, because uh, I was like, okay, this is Amadeus, and I went, oh, I guess that wasn't phosphorus earlier. I guess that was Amadeus, and then, and then I went and looked. I was like, no, no, it. Yeah. No, it's actually it, a very different. It's a very different green. Yeah, when you actually it, go back and compare it. We compare them. It is. But not only does it make sense in the context of that scene that it's phosphorus, because the whole point is that there's radiation yeah. poisoning, is that, again, the next time text clearly is indicating that phosphorus is going to play a role in the next right. issue. I was a little confused by that as well, but 
I don't even think it's necessarily a fault of anything that the book does wrong. I think it's just weird associations. It's maybe the choice of design on Arkham. I, 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 yeah, I would just say that the solution to this is to not have your ghost have a green tint. Like, go with a blue tint or something. Just make yeah. it different. Unless there is a possibility that it's actually important and that ties into Phosphorus somehow next issue. Okay, sure. If that's the case, then... Then you'll kind of forgive it a little bit then more. Then fine, yeah. But I mean, it's still a little conflicting in the moment, just to like... It is. Because yeah. it, it made me like sort of think about who it was in a way that I don't think was smooth same uh, it's it's probably my only real complaint with this issue is yeah is yeah yeah they are still obviously consistent with before it's got the spooky kind of uh almost cut i mean it's not but it almost feels that like the, the blacks are like cut out and put on top of other colors mm-hmm. you know? I, I love the way Azrael is in this book but that just yeah. that bright vivid red yeah. against well, that... pure black and there's no well, hard lines that cut off it's just like there's no yeah shading gradient between them it's just the one or the other yep on yep. his weird cape with all the the like the the ribbons yeah right too like it makes for a, a like he cuts a figure yeah that looks great yeah looks good all, all this like gotham like because obviously we've had a lot of stories over the year that have, you know scott Snyder did it a lot in his batman one about talking about the history of gotham and mm-hmm. we've had a lot of these things over the years but this is like looking at it through a very specific lens that's sort of tied yep. into almost like a I don't want to say a Lovecraftian, but just like a, like a, like a horror that's bigger than we can comprehend that's been lingering this entire time. And this is like, like only the craziest minds in Gotham can even like begin to like think about it and comprehend it. Because all all the same people just can't even start to think about it. You didn't want to call it Lovecraftian, then you described exactly what Lovecraftian is. Yeah. Okay, sure. Right. (laughs) I was thinking that. We're cracking a lot of references for comparisons this week. Aye, yeah. but I, I guess I just I didn't have a specific Lovecraftian thing to compare it to, so I. No, but that's yeah. To me, that's usually what it like a sense of dread also yeah. accompanies, mm-hmm. and there's that that's in here. I, uh, I, I guess I, I guess it I... to Prince of Darkness, isn't that Carpenter's like take on Lovecraft? No, it's more Martha Manus is just taking. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess it kind of is too, I was but too confused. Um, um, I mean, I, I guess the yeah. reason why I sort of second guess myself though is because I feel like the backstory here is a bit more defined than I, I think of as Lovecraftian yeah. stories being. They tend to be a bit, bit more oh, sure. ethereal and, like, vaguer. Whereas this is a bit more like, no, we have this backstory, we have, right. like, you know, we're solidifying I mean, it a bit more. It's, it's all in the sense there was a holy man with visions, but where those visions came from, what the visions of doom were, all that stuff. Yeah, pretty true, big. true. True. Uh, I guess it's just the, the plot details just feel a little different to me. But, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, Sure. I mean, that's, so. that's, that's called originality. There's there's a reason why I thought of Lovecraft in the first place, but there's also kind of a reason why I sort of doubted it a little bit as a comparison. But either way, uh, there you go. That, that's uh, Arkham City Order of the World Issue 3. Matt, what are you giving the book? 8.5. Connor? Yeah, I'm going to go with the 8.5 as well. Would have been the 9 if not for that very final panel. Yeah, I'm also going to go with 8.5, so I guess a clean, simple sweep of 8.5s. Uh, from us that's cool uh next up world of krypton issue one mark russell sorry no i'm i'm, I'm, I'm to the next line sorry the yeah. uh robert venditti writing with michael Ivan oeming on the art uh, so this is a krypton story set uh as we find out in the issue around the time of kara's birth uh so yeah. it's you know it's not it's not right before they launch kal-el it's about two you know, years. Yeah, you know, about ten, thirteen, whatever age Kara typically is when they send her off. Yeah. Uh so yes, that's that's where we are. Uh so 
I kind of hated this. I'll just put that out there. Uh, it was, yeah, it's it's going to end up being not my favorite of the week. Like, it's, <laughs> it's kind of superfluous because we kind of all know the story of Krypton and just, I don't know what Venditti, who I, I genuinely like, um, I don't know how he's going to be able to tell it differently because we, we've gotten the kind of heroic Zod before, right? Like, We've we've had that turn where him and him and Jorel were friends before, you know what we traditionally know, and you know the whole idea of Krypton not listening to the Science Council and dooming itself is very well worn. Yeah, and so just I, to add some interpersonal family stuff into this, I don't and know. And I I don't know if like these characters may all be pulls from like past stories. They're not all original mm-hmm. creations, but right. like bringing in like this extra cousin of of Jor-El and his brother bringing in like all these other characters that are in the story i just found myself i don't give a crap about any of you like i really don't well i'm just gonna say i think i enjoyed this a lot more than both of you two (laughs) i mean i said i think i hated it i mean it's a bit hard not to (laughs) but not that i think it's amazing especially the ryan light uh everything you've just said i kind of agree with that yeah it's this well-worn kind of repeatable thing that yeah it's nothing interesting I don't know how it's going to tell it any differently or if it even will. Um, I don't disagree with any of that. That's mm-hmm. all true. But I love Oming's art. I think it looks gorgeous. And I just oh, I like hate the- it. I hate it. Thank you, Pete. I hate this art. I'm, I'm not. So for a long time, this is one of those things that's like, as a comic fan, you're supposed to, you know, it's, it's Oming. He did Powers with Bendis. Mm-hmm. I've never liked that style. You- like, If you like it, cool. Uh, I don't think it's. I'll be it's honest, I read like three pages of this and I almost didn't finish it. And the only reason why I kept reading is because I felt guilty that I wouldn't have read enough books because I, I didn't grab uh, One Star Squadron. That So I felt compelled to finish it just to sort of like, like okay, I gave it a proper chance. Yeah. But like, I knew kind of early on that I did not like this art. And I wasn't yeah. liking the faces. I wasn't liking, like, just... It's- not for me. It's very stylized for a book that I feel like would have actually benefited from a house style. Yeah. Oh, not even house style. Well, that's, that's, if this was house style, this would have been the most generic, boring book. Yeah, I don't necessarily right. think house style, but I think this is far too cartoony stylized for a story yeah. that's meant to deal more with, like, betrayal, serious. intrigue, and serious issues, and, which, like, all that. Which he's done with powers, right? Which I understand that's kind of the vibe they're going for here. Like, but it just, I like, don't feel it works it, on Krypton. Like, like Jarl goes to see his brother because they're going to like celebrate Kara being yeah. born, right? So it's like a, like a christening, basically. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. And uh, Zarl, right? He's got this like goofy Justin Bieber haircut, and he he looks like a teenager who's trying to be hip. Right. And I'm just like, is, what is this? He has a younger brother. They point out. I mean, true. Know? Yeah. So, he's, you know, but he doesn't have to look a douchebag. Yeah, true. I mean, he's a douchebag. My, I mean, this my is the main way problem is, a is the bad guy is named Cruel. <laughs> Cruella and, Deville. And, and I was just like, Venditti, all right, like, yeah, let me no. check before I criticize. Um, yeah, so, like, the half of the, I mean, all of the, the science teas, the scientists who discovers some things like killing some animals out somewhere. Other than that, most of this, most of this is at this party. It's the interpersonal stuff. With the cousin who's a bit of a shithead who turns out to be kind of behind I, uh, like, the assassins. I love that, like, the oh, art when he shows up first where he's there in the big the cape with the big collar and he's there with a big shitty grin, you know, putting his hand on the on the shoulder. Like, 
that's the, I, I love that stuff. Like again, I don't yeah. want the writing's amazing. I think the rent it's it's not bad. It's just fine. But the art just oh man, I love it. Okay. So Cruel goes goes back to Action Comics two ninety seven. Okay. Okay. February nineteen sixty three. So I'm not gonna hang that on Venditti. He's just playing with established character names uh, and whatnot. I, I, I won't hang the name on him, but I I just don't generally like the voices or the characterization of the yeah. characters in this. No, yeah. And that includes and that, him. That doesn't work that doesn't work either. But you know, I wouldn't have been as annoyed when, when they say, Oh, you know, your cousin crew and then I was like, Oh shit, his name's Cruel. I, I at least appreciate they had the restraint never to actually put Cruel to make it right. like th- th- I think that was a very intentional choice not to yeah. put that there so you didn't spend too much time thinking about right. that. Um, just... <laughs> I, I just can't wait until the real plot of this book is revealed that he wants to get like 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I like the stuff with the scientists at the beginning with the Thought Beast and something is killing them she kind of realized that there's nothing wrong they just lost the will to live and they're almost like the you know the precursor to krypton yeah it's just um, like the first sign about a decade early yeah. that like things are starting right. to go awry yeah right. yeah i i like that much and and you know seeing how venerated jor-el seems to be it's gonna be like well what happened to make them not listen to him because he seems to be like a big name on krypton you know, this whole House of L, the fact that the cousin wants to take him and Zor out, you know, and then he can, you know, clear the way for the House of L or whatever. Um, and that they're buddies with with Zod, uh, who is back from the which, again, this is all just stuff that I love as a continuity nerd. But, you know, he's talking about the the uh, dominators attacking Daxum and repelling the, you know, uh, you know, that invasion. And that's where he's coming straight from. So, again, what happens in those years that you know that makes him want to take over Krypton? Yeah, what, what happens in Daxum stays on Daxum. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah. He's he's wanting to retire. Jarl doesn't want a kid. So there's all these things that okay, all these things are going to change in the next right. ten years of this story. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe even closer to fifteen because I think Kara's maybe more like a full-on teenager. Well, yeah, she is. Yeah, depending on depending on when she was either the babysitter or she was you know still. At least ten years older that remembers baby. I guess it just depends if she arrived when she's like sixteen. Mm-hmm. Like, did was she sixteen right. when she left, or there was a couple right. of years in the, the ship? You know, like the, the, right. did she age a bit um, on the, the journey? Because I, I, I did know. like that. I think that was from the Batman Superman run from Jeff Loeb that mm. she was meant to be, you know, his caretaker, and then her ship got uh, lost. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's just been the case since then. Yeah, that. She, yeah, but she, I always liked that. Her that, ship got they added to it. Yeah, the ship got delayed, and because of that, yeah. Superman was already grown up when she arrived. And instead, right. he's now older than her. That that's that's just been like what they've done yeah, every interpretation just, since then. Yeah, but it's like depending on was she sixteen, was she ten? Like, yeah, what's the? What's, I what's I never the, got the impression that she aged significantly in the journey. Right. I always got the impression that's the age she left as. Yeah. So I yeah I always knew it was like fourteen to fifty, which is I think a lot of times she's not quite sixteen. I think because right. they, they tend to play a slightly younger when I, she I think, first arrives. I, I'm just thinking of the. Admittedly, it's the new 52 I'm thinking of, but I'm just right. thinking she was maybe about that age when she arrived then. But I, I mean, I'm just not mm, parking. Yeah. Right. But, uh, um, I think we're all in that same range of like, you know, 14 yeah. to 17, sort of. Yeah. Well, she was, she's old enough to, in the comics that she goes to high school, right? Yeah. So, I think the reason why I said 13 the first time, because I think in the TV show she was 13. I think they mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. Well, show. that's what's shipping me up, too, because she's a little bit younger than we think traditionally. You know, because she grew up with with Alex and whatnot. But 
Yeah. Well, obviously uh, that's different because in the show yeah. she grows up first and then becomes Supergirl, rather than right. and whereas in the comics she typically Starting. yeah just as Supergirl almost right away, or if not right, right away by the end of an arc <laughs> she'll be Supergirl. Right. right. Yeah. So, but but yeah, so there's there's a lot of stuff here that I can see what they're doing with, but I just, you know, I didn't really enjoy reading it. Yeah, so. I didn't enjoy reading that. I, I was kind of just like, I'm just getting through this so I can talk about it, and I just, I, I, I wasn't into it at all. Uh, so, easy, easy drop for me, this one, after issue one. I'm not interested in reading issue so, two of this. Real quick, Connor, what, what do you like about Oming's art? Uh, I think it's the the pacing of it. I think I, I really like the pacing. I like, I, I know that I can see why the faces aren't for everyone especially i think i don't think the faces are too bad when it's close-ups on faces i get it when it's uh wider shots and you see them in 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 contrast with the full body i think that's where they look a little bit more wrong so to speak mm-hmm. um for me it, it's the tone the pacing uh I, I really like the the bold clean lines kind of really thick heavy inks uh yeah i, I think it's good, just good for that stuff i think it's i think it looks fun I know maybe that's not, not not necessarily the tone that you want, but I mean, I like it. I, I just like I just like the the experience of reading it. I just think it looks nice and enjoyable to 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 read through, even when the story is you know whatever. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's yeah. just one of those things that just doesn't. It's never worked for me, and I've been afraid to say that. So I don't want no, I think it's it's very stylized. So I think it's you know revoked. something you like or hate. You know, yeah, it's, it's I, I've seen a lot of Oming's art, like. I've seen a little bit of it, and like you know, when he's done like a special hero there or something, or maybe an anthology story. Um, so I, I didn't remember him, so I went into this with uh, with no expectations. If anything, I was expecting the art that I saw on the cover because the the cover's quite nice. And then my disappointment, <laughs> the crushing disappointment of opening, oh, no. I'd be like, oh, it's like this. He's <laughs> like giving it back to a shop, going like, uh, the art's broken. It doesn't match the front. Um. Yeah, I don't know who did the cover. Um, oh, honestly, I, I actually... This, it's fine, I actually vastly prefer the Oming up. Th- this is slightly uh, t- tangential, but I remember there was kind of... Was, I think there was a learning curve for new comic readers where I think when you start reading comics for the first time, uh-huh. you expect the art on the inside to match the cover, and obviously yeah. that's like only true maybe a third of the time, maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... Because uh, I, I remember introducing other people to comics and then being like, oh, this cover looks really cool, and then open it and going... Wait, why is this art completely different? Uh, and it's like, well, because the, the cover artist isn't always the same as the interior artist. That's just the way it is. But, like, it is actually a trip up for like, new people. Is they always expect the art in the cover to be the the same as the inside. I, I yeah. do actually think the main cover should usually be the regular artist. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. I think especially on an issue one. Yeah. I think it's actually something you should do. Because well, it's almost this... like an advert for the book, so you should really be representing mm-hmm. what's yeah. in the book. And that's why you've got variants to do whatever. Like yeah, variants, yeah. I think, are absolutely fair game. Have anything you want. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, explaining variants to new comic readers is also a bit of a challenge, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. You're going to pay more for different uh, art, but everything in is the same. Um, but yeah, so the cover artist is uh, Miko Suryan, who I, didn't they do the Harley book? Um, Harley Joker, that was like the Fincher. Esque ones. Oh, sounds right. Criminal, Criminal Sanity was that one? Yeah, yeah that's the one. Yeah, uh, that sounds right. And, and that's I, the I, I think the art on the cover, yeah, it's fine. It's a perfectly decent cover. But I prefer the interior by orders of magnitude. 
Are you sure your eyes didn't get broken along with the arm? I can't. <laughs> I can't be certain of that, but I don't know. It pops. It pops. Uh, it, po- it pops. <laughs> I, I, I also, as well, I think as much as I like uh, Oming's pacing and the and the bold lines and you know the the inks, um, Filardi's colors, I think, are doing a huge job as well of just you know all the, all the vibrancy that it brings to mm-hmm. it. Uh, that's a big part of what I like about this book. Mm. I got nothing to add. We, we can wrap this one up. <laughs> yeah. All right. We give it a Matt. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a 5.5. Connor? That's a 6.5. Straight 5 for me. I just I felt nothing. I felt nothing. <laughs> Even that you started this by saying you hated it, that's. Kinda hated yes. it. Okay. I mean, like, it's, it's not complete trash. It's, it's, this is not. It's like I'm reading, like, a, a Leifeld book. <laughs> Like, you know, there's, there's layers to this. Yeah, yeah. So, I'll go with a five. I just thoroughly uninteresting. Um, none of the family drama stuff was like, okay, I don't care about any of this crap you're adding to this mythology. Uh, so, there you go. World of Krypton. Uh, one Star Squadron issue one. Mark Russell writing with Steve Lieber on the art. Well, you two tried this one, so take mm-hmm. it away. Yeah, so um, the premise is, is Red Tornado uh-huh. has set up a company called Heroes for You. It's where the, if we're being generous, F-listers can yeah. sign up <laughs> on the app to be hired for small small little superhero gigs. Yeah, and uh, part of it is Red Tornado are uh, struggling with the fact that he was kind of a, a big leaker, yet it never worked out for him, right? Is that he's, he's able to team up with Superman and Batman and the Justice League but for whatever reason, he always ends up down with the Z-listers um, and might as well try to profit off of it. Uh, and the title gets its name from the fact that people tend to leave one-star Yelp reviews. So they're the the one-star squadron. Um, this is a typical Mark Russell book. It, it really reminded me of the Wonder Twins to where there is this sense of there's a heart to it that, you know, right, right underneath all the disappointment tornado feels he can't he can't just let this old guy that's been abandoned into his office go he's got to try to do right by him and that's the main crux of this uh issue yeah because this guy he's he's an ex-hero of some sort we learn mm-hmm. like he, he was gangbuster mm-hmm. yep um but he's he's clearly got dementia or something along yep. those lines and he has been left in a care home or a hospital yep. and the hospital staff are like well we don't really want to deal with this guy he was a hero. Let's go just stick him outside this place and they can deal with yeah. it. And Red Tornado was like, you know, he, he's, he's too much of a, at the end of the day, he's too much a hero to, to leave him alone. Mm-hmm. So he, he takes him home and he, the, the wife's like, nope, nope, not, not dealing with this because he, he's, he's potentially a little bit dangerous. He, he, we don't know. She's, she's flat out says, we don't, I don't know who he is. Yeah. And, then, and he has a bit of a, of a, of a moment and smashes up a picture and, yeah. What if the kids were home? You know, it's something where it's she's like, I'm willing to put up with this until you bring it home, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know, Red Tornado's like, right, okay, I've got his name. Let's go to the last known address. You know, we'll, we'll go around try and try and find out where this guy can be. And he goes and knocks on the door, and the woman answers, "Is like, sorry, I I just moved here. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe uh, you know, we'll go talk to the." The realtor, maybe they've got some information on you know who was here before that you can follow mm-hmm. up on. And you have this moment where 
you know, so they go to leave and it just cuts to, you know, her, she's upstairs and presumably this was his, uh, his wife and she's there, you know, all the pictures are on the wall that, you know, of them. Mm-hmm. And she's just, you know, breaking down crying, obviously couldn't deal with actually looking after him anymore. <clears throat> yeah. And you get the vibe too, that he was right. So he's a regular hero and you get in his origin that he was a boxer on the come up who his nickname was Ironhead for his ability to take a punch. But when a, a gang kills his trainer, and so he becomes gangbuster. And you just see him constantly taking headshots. And yeah, it's and almost that's presumably as if, what's caused this damage. Right. And so, um, so yeah, so we get this, that, you know, he's a burden, even though he's not, right? It's just, it's a lot to take out of. And that's where this, kind of the heart of it goes, that Red, Red Tornado can't, let this go, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll find a way. Obviously, there's um, lots of layers of the commentary going on here. I, I, I think this part here with the, the head is probably playing into sports athletes, kind of. Yeah. Obviously, in the, the last five, ten years, that's kind of been a big thing mm-hmm. of coming up of these ex-athletes suffering pretty serious head conditions, uh, you know, long-term yeah. because of things. Right. This feels and like, you know, okay, maybe the, the we're kind of likening these lower-tier superheroes to kind of those sorts of professional cool. athletes. It's it's the cost of doing what they do, and yeah. it's the unseen cost. This is what happens later. Um, and, and throughout this, too, we keep getting the... Um, how Red Tornado's first, you know, mission with the Justice League, he toppled the Royal Flush game. Uh, and we keep getting little hints in the background about a trial with the Royal Flush game, which I thought was pretty funny, because it adds... So in between those super sad moments... There's that typical Mark Russell and even Steve Lieber sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And, and the Royal Flush Gang is, is one of them because they they look in the background. If you read the Judge Deals Royal Flush Gang 20 years, that basically the King of Spades says, like, as a monarch, our laws don't apply to him. But because Spades is in an actual place, the judge denies it. And uh, <laughs> Jack or the Jack tries to say that he's not he's a lower ranking member of the gang. Therefore, he can't be held responsible but the judge counters that, oh, no, you can't have a royal flush without a jack, so you're just an equal part of this. You know, you don't have, uh, it says here, um, with without the jack and the royal flush, all you have is an ace high. <laughs> just like, okay, well, thanks at least for breaking that up, you know. Um, yeah. There's a B-plot, too, going on with them trying to really make money um, as part of this Heroes to You. And and in that you have Power Girl, um, Karen Starr. I'm, I'm gonna say right. Is I, trying I'm to, assuming so. Yeah. Yeah, you're, she's trying to teach. Um, uh, what's his name? Heckler. Heckler, you know about about the power of sales and how how good GI Robot is at being able to sell these you know uh, online courses. Uh, they're called Squad Goals. Um. But Heckler kind of calls her out for this, you know, and she's like, if, if you're so good, right, you're a Kryptonian, you have legit superpower, why are you working with us? And she hands him Maxwell Lord's book. And like, it changed my life. Yeah, and just, he's, you know, he brings up, and he was like, I don't know. Um, it's essentially, the answer is she succumbed to capitalism and gone, yeah, yeah. being a hero on this world's great all, but you, you need money or everything's worthless. So yeah. I'm here to make money. And Heckler's like, yeah, that kind of sounds like a cult. <laughs> and and yeah, so 
by the end of the issue, um, she's sitting in a at the corporate headquarters with, with a, a monthly the board. Yeah. And basically, they're going to oust Red Tornado uh, yeah. for Karen Starr. They want to know if they can count on her. And she says, absolutely. And, and she's, they're, they're saying, oh, you know, because we, we hear some of the stuff she's saying. And, oh, there's been concerns about him leaving early. And he's just kind of just doing his own thing. He's not really you know, doing the stuff for the business. And mm-hmm. we've seen all issue. Yes, technically, he's not there for the business, this issue. But no. he's there being the hero, right? Essentially, he's there being right. the, the, doing the right thing. And she's like, oh, I smell a plot. You know, time to take over. And it's, it's, I, I, I can see people maybe not liking, you know, taking Power Girl on this really cynical route, but I don't know. It's, it's working for me here. I, so I don't have a lot of love for Power Girl. Like, I know they made her Kryptonian, they, they solved all that stuff. But I always remember her as the, you know, the CEO of Star, whatever that yeah. company was. So for for them to use her like this here, like it makes sense, you know. It feels she's... like business tycoon power girl, right. right? And so, just seeing that here and seeing what this book, you know, it's that Mark Russell point of view, and then you add this the the Lieber kind of pacing with everything, where it's kind of like yes, it's a superhero book, but it's also very just normal, kind of everyday. It's kind of the same vibe as, as Flintstones, you know? Yeah, like. So Russell really gets that those those artists to kind of draw these spectacular things in, in the most normal way possible. Like a lot of this issue is is Red Tornado walking around escorting Gangbuster, an elderly Gangbuster. Like he's not doing superhero-y whirlwind saves and whatnot. And it doesn't mean that we won't see that, but you know, Russell has a, a penchant for picking the right artist to handle this type of stuff. And I think he has a good one in Libra here. Yeah, Libra's perfect for this style of, of book. Mm-hmm. Just the um, goofy, low-level heroes doing kind of everyday kind of slice-of-life stuff for a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but it's obviously capable of drawing the, the superheroics as well when, yeah. when necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is a, a great fun book. It, yeah. I, it's a little bit of a shame it's only six issues instead of the 12 that we often get from yeah. the, the Russell stuff. Mm-hmm. But... Maybe maybe we'll get a, a second season uh, yeah. if, if we're lucky. Yeah, maybe it'll end up being one star squadron uh, by the end. They've earned mm-hmm. that one, and we'll get there. But yeah, so um, I'm gonna do the seven point five. Uh, it's eight point five for me. There you go. All right, cool. Well, we just got Patreon books left then. That's all the new books for the week. Um, I've got one. Connor's got one. So I'm going to be talking about Animal Man issue fourteen, and. We kind of wrapped up the previous arc. Uh, Buddy's on his way home from Africa. Uh, so that's kind of where we are. Um, and this is kind of a spooky issue. I actually wonder... Uh, nah, the, the month that's listed here would imply this came out probably in like May time. But I was almost wondering if this was maybe like the Halloween issue because it's got a really spooky vibe. We got, we got Ouija boards. We got like mysterious figures disappearing into thin air. All sorts of stuff. Um... So, Maxine's out playing with one of the, 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 the kittens, or maybe the only one that survived, possibly, and runs into, like, someone in silhouette, like, someone by the tree, and it's like, hello, Maxine, and it all feels very intimidating, but the more you see, like, small glimpses of, like, the outfit and stuff, and the way he's talking, it becomes pretty apparent this is clearly Animal Man, but old-aged from the future, 
and someone who is not like spent time with his family in a long time because he says i miss you and whether that means that they've left them they're all dead i don't know but it's very you know foreboding so uh so it's a really sort of dark moment and then like uh ellen notes she's talking to someone runs out after and asks like who it was and she's like it was daddy and she's like what and she gets she like, phones buddy and he's like where are you and he's like i'm at the airport <laughs> so we have this spooky encounter that's kind of the first part of the book it's like okay interesting tease we got some sort of animal man days of future past nonsense going on whatever's happening and then there's this weird dream sequence uh for s- some character that i don't think we know that leads into like them sort of waking up and then like them being in san francisco looking for animal man and this stuff is it's like he's reading a poem like in his dream talking about how the ripples as the rain hits the water is like you know it's a symbol of the intricate order of theory it's it's a like the telepathic powers in comics are the the cup and ring marks on a megalithic stone like it just like you know a bunch of fruity language basically being really poetic um but I guess kind of meta, you know, it's starting to tease, like, this might be, like, a writer or something like that, is kind of what I was getting from it. Um, uh, yeah, like, you know, I, I'm, it's almost like he's being reflective and he starts critiquing that he's talking like this. He's like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm taking, like, quotes from, like, uh, the Oxford Dictionary, um, trotting out Nietzsche and uh, Shelley and Shakespeare to dignify some old costume crap. Like, I was almost, and it was the art as well as the end, because the, the colour kind of drains from it. Uh, or, in fact, it's always been kind of mostly black and white in the background, which is a little bit of colour, muted colour on him. And at the end, when he goes to wake himself up, it's like, he's like, almost like an unfinished drawing, waking up himself. But the version of himself he's waking up is, is in full colour. Which is where the, the meta part of it was kind of, I was like, is this like, mm-hmm. someone waking up their creation? Like, in the comic? Like, is this someone wake And maybe it's only because I know Grant Morrison's going to get super meta that I'm kind of jumping to this conclusion, but it kind of felt like that here in this scene. Uh, but he doesn't quite remember his dream when this character wakes up. And he's in a bed when he wakes up, and he's in a hotel room or something. Um, and it's like, okay, nice. Uh, then we have another, like, kind of dark scene where a character... Uh, with the name of what was the name here? Uh, I say it was Lennox. Um, like rings the doorbell. Uh, claims to be a, you know, like would you like to look at these Bibles and talk to talk about the Lord? One of these characters, and the woman tries to explain she's not religious, but then like this woman's daughter uh, walks into the hallway and says, "Mommy's got a," and then the next page is this guy shooting the daughter through the chest. And then shooting the mother in the head. And then the character just puts his gun back in his pocket and walks away. It, it's, it's basically Sarah Connor and then like murder. Mm. But he never asks who they are. He just kills them. Looks quite happy about it and leaves. But it does feel very purposeful. Like he's there for a hit. And like I, I don't know who this guy is I, I don't know the context for this scene so it's very much the start of a new arc and that we're teasing some new things um so it's almost like hard to analyze a lot of this issue because it has is a lot of new elements um and then we get to the ouija board <laughs> which is cliff and his two friends one of them's brought over a ouija board because he found it in his big brother's stuff and it's like hey don't be a chicken uh 
cliff and this this play and as this is happening there's like a weird moment where ellen's like doing a painting in the other room and her her like jar of water paint or whatever like gets moved and it's kind of this little spooky moment where she looks over and she like senses someone in the room and i think the implication is is that it's again it's future buddy who's kind of like there and disappears and she's starting to get freaked out but the fact that this starts intercutting with the kids playing with the ouija board you're starting to is it is it the ghost of future bud buddy i mean admittedly they only just started playing with the ouija board but it's like what's going on here exactly so the message that comes through the board though is the name cliff which obviously freaks them out as you expect mm-hmm. And then just the numbers 9 and 27. And I immediately thought, oh, that sounds like a date. That sounds like the 27th of September. And sure enough, it's actually the, the, like, two pages later where Ellen, like, walks past the calendar in the kitchen and it's on September. So you can say, oh, okay, so this is, like, near future. Like, this is later this month, uh, whatever date we happen to be on. So it's it's teasing something for the future, but Ellen's so freaked out that she pulls a knife out the drawer and starts, like, like creeping around like she's she's worried someone's in the house so it's a full-on horror issue of a comic and despite the fact that this has got such a uh very pale blues in the background it's very kind of bright colors it's not a, a moody book in terms of its its art or coloring it still actually has a really good job of like getting the vibes across of like this being a spooky chapter in the story so, yeah, uh, basically sees Maxie in the floor and then turns around and almost stabs Buddy as he walks in. He's like, it's just me, it's just me. Uh, and then we cut back to the, the guy who was dreaming before. Um, and he says that he's came to find, find Animal Man. He's in San Francisco, he's on the West Coast because he's looking for Animal Man. And he he refers to the dream. He, t- he talks about the universe as a mirror. And he's looking in the mirror as he says this to himself. And he's like, was that the dream? Um, and he sort of talks about almost. He says like he's he's tempted to touch the mirror, but then he decides not to, uh, because he might fall through. And this it's all just like very kind of, like, like the narration's very philosophical. And he's like a character who's like constantly quit. Joey's you know making me think of bizarrely. He's making me think a little bit of uh, of Earl. I think his name is uh, from the final episode of Firefly and objects in space. If you remember that character. The one who walks around and he goes, you know, if, if I'm not in a room, is it still a room? Like, he, he just has like, all these weird little philosophical lines as he's, like, going through the ship. Um, it, it's, it's kind of that vibe that I'm getting from. Like, just these weird philosophical thoughts he has about the reality of the world and stuff like that. Um, but with Morrison, uh, mm-hmm. I suspect that it may actually become very literal at some point. Uh, he even queries that maybe he's already fallen through the mirror, which maybe implies that he has actually ca- came through the barrier from another world, possibly the real world, into the co- comic book world. But uh, Buddy searches the house, doesn't find anyone, so people are, are calm. Um, but then she sees this other Buddy at the window again. She doesn't really think of him as, as Buddy, necessarily. Uh, he's out in the rain, so Buddy runs out, chases after him in the rain, and the end of the issue is that he 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 jumps, he uses his animal powers to jump over the fence. He gets to him. He's standing over by the tree again. He's in silhouette. He gets to him, and we don't see him clearly. He's still just kind of like a a rainy silhouette. But Buddy is like you know 
listen, what do you want? Just tell me. But then he reacts very harshly. He says, I know you. When I was 10, my God, I saw you. And then the, the character disappears into the rain. Like, almost like, he's a, like he has a ghost or an apparition where he just kind of like fades away and he's gone. But Buddy says, I know you. Which is an interesting thing to say. If, I, if my suspicion is that this is Buddy from the future, that's a very interesting reaction. But does it also imply that this Buddy from the future actually went too far back at first and appeared to like very young Buddy when he was 10 years old? So he's like remembering, maybe it's like something he's forgotten and it's not until he's seen him now again. He's like, oh shit, I had this creepy moment when I was 10 where I saw you. Uh, it may be doing that. Like this is the best I've got right now uh, with this first issue of this arc. Uh, but perhaps more interestingly, he walks slowly back in the rain to the house. And when Ellen asks him what happened, he just says nothing. I don't know. Uh... But the numbers nine and twenty-seven sort of form on the on the door in the rain, uh, and that's the the end. So it's very ominous. So Buddy like clearly is spooked by this this character, and has some at least recognizes seeing him from once in his life before. That's interesting. Uh, honestly, all the spooky stuff is just kind of fun. Like the Ouija board intercutting with Ellen having these weird like ghostly moments. Uh, the opening with, with Maxine. I think all of that is really good little horror stuff, which is not something I actually expect from an Adam Land issue, but, like, I'm happy to take it, especially if it's well done. Uh, the weird philosophical character who's worried that he may have already travelled through his dream. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to take that yet. I kind of need to see what Morrison's got up their sleeve before I can uh, <laughs> properly assess <laughs> that. But uh, it was an interesting issue, and I can't deny that this uh, comic keeps keeps me on my toes. Just when I think it's settled into like a groove of this is what the book is, it's like, no, more weird stuff's happening. But hey, I'm a fan of uh, David Lynch, who's better than Steven Spielberg, so I like weird stuff, and uh, so I, I like this. It's good. I'll manage to fourteen. I'm giving this a solid eight point five out of ten. Very very good. So there you go. Uh, another Patreon book though. Uh, Connor's going to talk about Harley Quinn issue nine. This is this is catch up, right? This was like from last month. Yes, this is last month's one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because this is the uh, well, obviously last week I did a different Patreon book, but this came out on a week where I wasn't here because Harley Quinn tends to come out at the end of the month. I think I think it's a week four book oh, okay. usually, which means if I'm if I'm not there that week, then it, it goes into catch up immediately. <laughs> um. But yeah, this is uh, it's still Stephanie Phillips and Riley Rosmo on art, um, and it's still a Fear State tie-in. This is a this is one of those books that was part of like the three or four books that week that came out after Fear State ended, even though there was tie-in still afterwards. It, it it was weird, and it's 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 not very good. <laughs> even even that aside, even the quality of this book aside, I still dislike that from an editorial publishing standpoint of putting out your tie-ins after the event's finished that it just felt weird to me the whole time uh, I, I think i mentioned other books but i still dislike it uh but yeah it's it's very much split into two parts mostly and then there's a there's a little intro couple of pages of harley or harleen's first meeting with the joker because we haven't seen that enough times apparently because uh, that's one of those scenes that i'm I'm getting sick of it's 
It's like seeing the pearls with the wings. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm done. I, I just, I've, I've seen this so many oh, times. It already. also doesn't help that we just had a fantastic, like, full version of this with uh, Harleen, like, last year. Yeah. It was like two or three years ago now, I think. I'm pretty sure at this point. Yeah, it wasn't three no, years it was, ago. No, it was two. Because I, I know I got the collection from my brother last time he was here, and that was before COVID. So. Was it? Was it that long ago? I, yeah. I believe so. I believe, I believe. Or maybe I got him the first issue and they sent him the collection, but I remember giving it to him before he got on the plane. Okay. So that was 2019. It was right before. Yeah, it it was a little while ago now. Um, so there's there's been space between it, yet still. <laughs> uh, I mean, the trade released February 2020. Okay, so, so that's it, when I sent him that. So two years ago but for I, the it, issues then. So yeah. Yeah. Not three. Yeah. Not three years. I'm not that crazy. Sure. Uh, fine. But a while ago. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sick of seeing that. It, it, it adds nothing here. There, there is no new take on it. There's, there's nothing. It's just, it's just there because it can. So fill up a few pages, I guess. Uh, but the, the two threads, the first one I'll cover is, it's, it's, again, it's very straightforward because this is just getting itself in place with the Fear State stuff mostly. It's Harley and, you know, she's rescued Ivy. They're in, it was with uh, Catwoman and the others. They were fighting the, um, the keepsake knockoff villain squad that, mm. that they had. And it's just the two of them running away and being like, right, we need to get back to Gotham and help and, you know, do, do Fear State stuff. They steal a 68 Mustang and Harley's in love with it because it's the, the, the one from the movie. And, She's like, yay, great. They go in the car and they get, uh, they have a fight with a knockoff Firefly who comes and chases them. I'm, I'm not even going to try and pretend that I remember the, the names of, of these. And is this knockoff Firefly or is this actually Keepsake? I can't remember. Because this is the problem when they all have just knockoff themes, the whole league kind of blends together. I think, I think this one's actually Keepsake, but it comes and chases them. And they have a fight with him, and they they win. Obviously, I think they uh, they kind of hit the jetpack and send the, the the jetpack goes flying, and he gets crashes down into the ground, and that does it. There's a a horrible sequence of art here, in that it's it it's so bad that it knows it's bad, and by that I mean it has to have arrows to direct me through the page because it knows without those arrows I would read it in the wrong order. And if you're at a point mm. where you need arrows to tell me where to go, and it's not just one arrow, it's like four or five, you're doing something wrong. Your, your art is not good enough at that point. And, and that's not even a, a subjective, oh, like taste of the art or not. I think it, that's just a matter of sequencing and flow that if, you, if your art is not clear enough to, that I know where to read without you telling me explicitly, then you're not good enough. Uh, sorry, it's just not. But yeah, it gets to the end. It, it, Harley and Ivy have a little moment. It's it's kind of a, a precursor to. It, it doesn't have the big kiss that it had in Batman, but it's like just like a, a moment like that is is kind of like the full page. Just the two of them together is is the ending. Uh, yeah, I mean it's fine. It could, it's just saying where we were in Fear State. It's this this issue is doing nothing for itself really in terms of the the Harley plot. The other plot where it is actually advancing things, I think, technically, for this book is uh, the Kevin plot. Uh, I ended last issue with him 
kind of deciding that he was going to be the hero and go into the burning building and rescue people. Um, and by the burning building, it's the the safe headquarters, which is strange, kind of his building. So he's rescuing the doctors, and uh, there's a moment where he gets to the doctor who kidnapped him, who's behind. You know, he he gets almost everyone else out, um, but they're like, "Oh, you know, you've got to go." There's, you know, the, the building's coming down, but there's one more doctor stuck in behind a door and locked in, and it's the one who, uh, you know, kidnapped him. Who was the one who who was particularly cruel to him in the earlier issues, and he has this big moral dilemma as to whether or not he should save him or not, which is visualized as two Harley Quinns doing the angel and devil on the shoulder. It's a yeah. big double page with them kind of arguing back and forth as to whether or not he should save it. And it ends up with them doing like the, the little like cat fight, you know, that, that you see a lot with them slapping hands at each other and stuff. And it, it's fine. <laughs> of course it ends with him being the hero and saving the day. And yeah, th that's about it. Rosmo art, be Rosmo art. It's not good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a three. All right. There you go. Well, this is the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books of the week, which is Connor's cute leave, apparently. Uh, so, uh... Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Oh, oh, is he going to, like, be silly and hurt himself, or... Are we, are we <laughs> he falls and breaks the other arm. What's he even doing? I don't know. He's doing like some sort of incantation. He's doing some of that ginger voodoo magic or something. Like, what's he doing? Oh, oh, oh and let's watch the headphones. <laughs> oh, damn it. oh, no. Okay. There you go. Uh, yes. All right. <laughs> Matt, what's your panel slash moment of the week? Let me know, actually, the reveal from Batman. Sure. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, really good. Car? I don't think Carl can hear me yet. Uh, he's he's changed his headphones around, seemingly. Maybe his other headphones died. This is riveting stuff, folks. I guess I'll give mine. Uh, so my panel slash moment. Look, of the could you not see I was swapping he headphones over? Yeah, we we saw. Yes, we were watching you intently to see if you hurt yourself. Yes. Not really, but clearly I couldn't hear you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you could have just jumped in and given yours the whole time instead of going, oh, well, we'll wait and see. It's funnier to make fun of you, to be honest. But you're, you're now. Okay, what's yours? Go on. Which, which category are we on? Panel slash moment. Panel slash moment. Uh, okay. Um, I'll probably go with... Uh, I'll go from the Superman son of Kal-El annual with the... Uh, the uh, pull in the Bear Gale. Uh, Made me laugh. I figured that would... The yours. Yeah. It's a good name for a bear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a few things I could pick this week. Uh, some great moments in Swab thing. You know, the Take the L is good. Uh, mm -hmm. The It Wasn't Me when the L gets hit with the explosion. Uh, lots of good art moments in Batman. <sighs> yeah, there's, there's a lot to choose from, potentially. Uh, I think I'll probably go... I'll probably go with the, it wasn't me. That's probably the thing that made me laugh the most this week, and I think that stuck out to me because you know, sometimes Taylor's just really good at making the characters feel fun, and uh, mm -hmm. so that's what I got from that. So I think that's what I'll go with. 
all right, so cover of the week. Uh, I'll jump in. I've got three on the short list here. And bizarrely, they're all regular covers. None of them are variants. Uh, but the regular Batman cover is fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. The regular World of Krypton cover, I think, is re- very nice. Uh, I-, I like how sort of like 30s inspired pulpy the, the costumes are for uh, Jor-El and Lara. Um, and then you get Arkham City's uh, regular cover. And like every main cover that's had has been a contender, if not the winner of my cover of the week, because they've all been wonderful and uh, horror-esque. Um, I am tempted to go with Batman because it is such a great cover, but I think I have to give it to Arkham City again. Uh, it's just so spooky and atmospheric, and uh, the vibe it's going for is so different from every other book that it just it sticks out as very unique. So that's my pick. Uh, Connor? Also got three in contention, two of which are regular covers. Uh, one is the Arkham City one. Mm-hmm. Um, the other regular cover would be the Dark Knights of Steel. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really like that style of cover. Uh, and the variant I do really like is the uh, One Star Squadron variant, which is just Red Tornado looking all lonely in the rain and the reflection. And actually, it's sure good. Matt? Uh, Arkham City. You guys mentioned yeah. uh, everything else. That I, was gonna... I do like both Superman annual covers, but I don't think they're... I think they're more good for a chuckle than, like, good. But that Arkham City one is a proper, you know, with Grundy coming up out of the swamp. Head all cocked sideways. Super creepy. Yeah, there was other good covers for sure, but like those were the three for me that really like yeah. stuck out and caught my eye. So yeah, um all right, uh, best art of the week then. The Connor, you can go first. Oh god. Um I mean I'm I'm probably gonna give it to Arkham C. I think Danny does a great job. But a lot of good art this week for me. Yeah. Uh Matt? Um, so Perkins, shout out for Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Uh and and the team on Batman. I couldn't tell which pages were doing in. Um I think it switched when we moved to the other country at the end. Yeah. yeah. But it but it pairs really well with the Molina stuff at the beginning too. So um but there's no definitive line. But I'm gonna give it to Dark Knights of Steel. Future's art is really, really, really good. Yeah, I think I uh City's great. I think I have to probably give it a Swamp Thing, though. I think Perkins takes mm. it for me this this week. Uh, not that I didn't mm-hmm. love the art on Batman yeah. or or uh, Dark Knights of Steel or whatever, but like that's the one that stuck it, out the it most. It says a lot that for me, I'm pretty sure the Superman annual was far and away the weakest art of the week. And I know you guys have <laughs> I know, yeah. but I like that a lot. But I don't want to be them, cruel and give it a worst art award every week, because I feel like we're picking on I, someone, but no, I, I, I almost wanted to give that best out of the way just, just to see your faces, to be honest. Uh, but it's your vote, man. You do what yeah, you but want. It, but it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't beat out Arkham City. Or to, to be honest, it, it probably would have been my, my third choice overall. But you know, <laughs> would have been disingenuous. I would have been doing it just for the reaction. I have more integrity <laughs> than that. What you doing? All right, <laughs> Matt. What's your top five books of the week? All right, so number one is the Superman Annual. Uh, number two is... I can't remember which grades. I'll go with number two, Dark Knights of Steel. Number three, Batman. Number four, Swamp Thing. Number five, Arkham City. All right, Carr. Uh, number one, Dark Knights of Steel. Two, uh, Superman Annual. Three, Swamp Thing. Four, 
Arkham City 5 1 Sat Squadron. Okay. Uh, for me, number one is Swamp Thing. Number two is. Batman, number three, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number four, Arkham City, number five, Dark Knights of Steel. There you go. Uh, and World of Krypton is... Down. I mean, it's still, I think, my lowest rated book this week. Yeah. But, I mean, I still give it like a 6.5. I've had a, I've had significantly worse. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, that was only a book I didn't like this week, so I, mean, I had a good week. <laughs> don't, don't, me, me hating one book is not a, a bad week. <laughs> necessarily uh so ain't too bad uh i will give you what's coming out next week uh let's see what's hitting us uh uh release day being the 15th of our fine christmas month of december uh we have wonder woman 782 the joker issue 10 batman urban legends issue 10 Robin and Batman issue two, Wonder Girl issue six. Whoa, that's super quick! After all the delays of the previous yep. issues, issue six is coming out quick that's fire. What happens when you get another artist on it? Uh, it wasn't the art that was delayed, it, though. It was the paper shortage. Oh, oh that's true. But I, I, yeah. I noticed it's another fill-in. I say fill-in. It's not Joel Jones doing the art. Yeah. It's uh, Leila Del Duca who did, uh-huh. I think, some some future state issues okay. that she did. Not of Wonder Girl, though, obviously. Well, I think it was the. Um, I mean, the, the, the one to go stuff with the, the Superman book. Yeah, well, continuing the list, uh, Batman the Imposter issue 3, really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teen Titans Academy issue 9, I Am Batman issue 4, Batgirls issue 1, so we got another new number 1 next week of, yeah. of note. Uh, Future State Gotham issue 8, Harley Quinn the Animated Series, The Eat, Bang, Kill Tour issue 4, Titans United issue 4, there's a lot of weird minis that we're not reading right now. Uh, Batman the Adventure Continues season 2 issue 7, uh, Black Manta issue 4, Pennyworth issue 5, Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries issue 9, and then Tis the Season to be Freezing issue 1. So that's their big villain, or big anthology yeah. issue for Christmas. Uh, so definitely a quieter, I mean there's a lot of books coming out, but in terms of what we actually read, uh, uh-huh. much quieter week overall. Uh, yeah, I think it's like 7 or 8 books, a couple of which are hefty, but... Oh man... Uh, if good. if someone wants to get an extra Patreon to make Pete read Tis the Season to be freezing. Oh, I say eligible. It's too long. Oh, uh, dang. Join us as Harley Quinn and Blue Snowman, Ice Out, Hawkman, Batman fights the cold part of Mr. Freeze, <laughs> the JLQ don't stand a snowball's chance against Minister Blizzard, and the Flash and Superman team up to chill out Captain Cold. Wait, wait, wait. it's got Minister Blizzard in it. Pete should read it anyway. Yeah, that's I, like yeah. the second best thing he could the, he could want in an issue hey, after as, Cold. It's a relatively quiet week. Maybe I'll take the plunge. But uh, to, to, as a general rule for the the patron, you know, making me or Connor read a book list, if it's typically an annual sized, is the biggest will go on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> To stop people, saying. to stop people saying, "Hey, there's like an original graphic novel. It's 250 pages." Yeah, no, I Read understand that. that, but I'm just saying, <laughs> Minister Blizzard. Uh, come on now. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, so, yes, that's next week for DC Comics. Uh, that will uh, lead me to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So, thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, and David Brown. Uh, they are Patreon producers for the month of December. You can, of course, be a patient producer at the high, one of the higher tiers on Patreon, $20 and up. But you can support us for as little as $1 and keep all the content coming and support the show. Uh, the $5 tier in particular, you get early access to the, the show by a day. You get it whenever it's ready, late on a Saturday. 
uh, versus the time it goes out on a Sunday. So if that's of interest, go have a look and see if you want to support everything we do. Uh, and also supports all the other content that's made for Mailfuzz TV and Mailfuzz movies, such as the, uh, the movie, the, the horror podcast, Screams After Midnight, Science Fiction Podcast, The Atomic Serum Experiment, a bunch of TV reviews, all that stuff. So go and have a look at all that if you're intrigued. Uh, you can also support everything we do for free by simply hitting the like button, subscribing, dinging the bell for notifications on YouTube. Uh, the audio version, if you listen to it on iTunes, give us a five-star review and, uh, well, just a five-star review. There's nothing else. But it's really straightforward on the audio version. Uh, so go do that. Um, and get us on Twitter, at DC Comics Podcast. Uh, you can get updates there, you can ask us questions, whatever. Uh, that's how you stay in touch. So, very good. Uh, that is that. That is that. That's the show. And that is the plugging for all the things. Uh, it is worth mentioning. Uh, we haven't quite decided what we're doing yet, but uh, Christmas Day does fall on the day we normally record this year. Uh, which is a first, so we don't know what we're doing exactly yet, recording-wise that week, but there's a very good chance that the podcast will be later than usual <laughs> for the week that it falls on Christmas. I mean, there's a small chance we could record it earlier, but I would not count on it, because it's not like we're really gearing... And it's, not, it's not like we want to do it in Christmas Eve either, right? <laughs> Let's and also, be if I recall, it's quite a hefty week of DC books. It's a reason they, they did not take it light. It's a reasonably heavy week yes so uh don't be surprised if an episode or two at the end of the month is uh is late but uh, uh nothing to worry about just the christmas season doing its thing uh yeah. so yeah i guess that's the show that's episode uh 283 in the can thank you for joining us we always appreciate it keep reading dc comics and remember to never get lost in the speed force